Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie Dicks Podcast. I'm Gabriel Chavez. Uh, and I'm Paul Schindel. Uh, <laughs> and I got distracted for a second there. I <laughs> Uh, a quick a quick note at the top of the podcast. I just wanted to say apologies in advance. If you hear a bark in the background or a whine in the background, my wife and I are currently fostering a puppy. So we're trying to keep him under control, but there's only so much that we can do short of smothering him. <laughs> so today we are defecating upon the 1995 treasure of a movie called under siege 2 dark territory this is actually one of paul's liked movies he suggested this a while back serious uh guilty pleasure movie we'll put it that way (laughs) (laughs) but first this is a comedy podcast if you have not seen the movie we are about to shit on and you want to avoid spoilers stop now but if you don't care about spoilers or you want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad step into the kitchen but beware no one beats me in the kitchen (laughs) without further ado let's hand it over to pablo francisco hold on tight for the ride of your life a renegade electronics expert and his crack team of mercenaries have hijacked America's most elegant passenger train and turned it into a mobile and untraceable command center for an awesome weapons satellite. His plan, the complete destruction of Washington, D.C., and his price, $1 billion. <laughs> and only one man can stop him. Action master Steven Seagal returns to the role of Casey Ryback, the mild-mannered cook and lethally talented ex-Navy SEAL that first exploded onto the screen in the blockbuster smash Under Siege. This time, the danger is on rails instead of at sea, but the stakes are even higher. <laughs> that's uh, that that's one the, of the longest taglines ever. That yeah. one that one is actually the actual jacket of the VHS tape. I had to go uh, with that. Nice. I had to go with that rather this, than this. Oh, man. Synopsis. I wish I could watch this on VHS. This, <laughs> this movie needs to be watched on like a shitty old VHS that's like recorded off of yeah, cable. The, and you the have to tracking like, is all fucked um, up. And you have to like fast forward through commercials and shit like that. Yeah, that's how you need to watch this. <laughs> but I, I had to go with the actual jacket of the VHS tape because I actually love 90s action movie VHS descriptions. <laughs> Everything has goddamn exclamation points and has shitloads of superlatives about how awesome the movie is. And it was like this this fucking thing in the 90s that you just couldn't get away from. If you get a chance, do yourself a favor and flip over the back of True Lies if you have it on VHS and read the back of True Lies because that is a fucking treasure, my friends. Like, <laughs> but... This movie, this movie was released by Warner Brothers through Regency Enterprises in association with Seagal Nasso Productions, Cutting Edge Films, and the Victor Company of Japan, or JVC, the electronics company. Regency is a weird production company like Village Roadshow in that they may as well be a studio and that they have released 151 titles, mostly through Warner Brothers. Recently, they did Greta Gerwig's wonderful reimagining of Little Women, Leo's Oscar winning The Revenant, and David Fincher's Gone Girl, as well as one of his previous films. Fight Club. My very favorite Michael Mann movie known as Heat was also produced through them. The Devil's Advocate with Pacino and Reeves. 
Ad Astra with Brad Pitt, which I absolutely love. The god-awfully edited mm. Oscar winner Bohemian Rhapsody. The very relevant Steven Soderbergh film called Contagion. My favorite L.A. <laughs> noir film, L.A. Confidential. Steve McQueen's Best Picture winner, 12 Years a Slave. And arguably Sergio Leone's finest movie, Once Upon a Time in America. Honestly, dude, like that's my favorite Sergio Leone, even over Good, bad, good the Bad and the Ugly. I get it. I get yeah, it. No, I get better. it, dude. When was the last time you saw Once Upon a Time in America, though? That's been a while. That's been a while. I I have his uh, his director director's cut restored version of it on Blu-ray, and it's four hours and ten minutes long. Yeah. And let me tell you something, <laughs> man. Like, I mean, the theatrical version is like three hours and thirty-eight minutes, but there's something about that extra thirty-two minutes that he slipped in there that it's it really makes it into this like epic. That I I honestly say like it's it's got to be Godfather Part Two for me, and then Once Upon a Time in America yeah. after that, and then yeah. The Godfather. I, I fucking love that movie. Yeah. They also gave us some. Stinkers in the parody comedies known as Epic Movie, Date Movie, Meet the Spartans, <laughs> Vampires Suck, oh, as well as Jesus. Wrong Turn Six, Last Resort, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked, no, no. Tom Green's Horrifying, Freddy Got Fingered, Once Again, <laughs> Fuck You Tom Green, the Jennifer Gardner starring Daredevil sequel known as Electra, and the Shameful, Shameful Movie that cemented any doubt as to whether Hayden Christensen was a piece of shit the movie called Jumper that nearly destroyed many many careers <laughs> uh, Seagal Nasso you can guess is responsible for Steven Seagal having a career they did his movie The Patriot not the Mel Gibson movie on deadly ground fire down below not even the trees Prince of Central Park, The Glimmer Man, one of my most hated movies of all time. <laughs> I fucking hate that movie. Under Siege 2 and Out for Justice. That's it. No more movies after that. Cutting Edge Films only had this movie. Guess they aren't so cutting edge, huh? <laughs> JVC has had a hand in 78 movies over the years, starting hmm. with the 1953 Vincent Price classic known as House of Wax and Hitchcock's Dial M for Murder, and most recently with the French film Little White Lies 2 in 2019. They gave us such classics as the hyper-violent Ninja Scroll, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the the yeah. Jim Jarmusch incredible movie Night on Earth, Tim Roth's powerful and brutal The War Zone that we had mentioned previously when talking about Ray Winstone when we spoke about Cats, and the classic action picture Point Break, which is one of my all-time favorite 90s action movies. I can't speak highly enough about that flick. They also gave us the horrifyingly bad Jaws 3D, Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2, which might be worth looking at in a future episode, Paul, because that movie is an abomination fuck that movie i, I could watch that oh god i guess that's why we're here isn't it yeah mm. to watch bad movies <laughs> <laughs> friday the 13th part three the wayne wang erotic film called the center of the world which i really wanted to like but i hated and the god-awful jean-claude van damme movie known as time cop god damn that movie <laughs> Uh, what side what which uh do you like seagal or van damme more van damme by far <laughs> I just have a hard time uh, just looking at Steven Seagal because he's such a fucking ugly motherfucker and he does that stupid squinty thing that I hate. I can't stand that. 
<laughs> side note, if you haven't seen the movie JVCD from 2008 starring Jean-Claude, it's a fucking wonderful piece of work. I can't speak highly enough about that movie. It's a fucking classic just waiting for its time for people to rediscover it. And it's breathtakingly well acted by Jean-Claude. Yes, I said huh. it. Jean-Claude can act. He just chooses not to. <laughs> no, seriously, dude, you got to see it. There's this, there's this seven-minute monologue with him that it's just him staring into the camera on this crane shot, but it, it's so fucking good, dude. It's one of the best monologues I've seen huh. in a really long time, and I, it shows what range that man has. It's a shame that he never taps into that, but besides the fact. The producers to blame for this movie are Gary Goldstein, Russ Cavanaugh, no relation to the piece of shit frat boy named Brett, Edward McDonald. <laughs> Donald, Doug Metzger, Arnon Milchin, Julius Nasso, Jeremy Newman, Steve Perry, David Rogers, Dan Romero, Martin Wiley, and Steven Seagal. Most of these people you shouldn't care about. Gary did Pretty Woman, if you care about that, while Russ did Money Train and The Excellent Rosewood, which everyone should see, especially now. Ed McDonald did some great movies, however, after his AP credit on Under Siege 2. He went on to produce The Brilliant Three Kings, Christopher Nolan's Insomnia, and the Denny Villanueva films Prisoners and Sicario as well as its sequel. However, he also did do Original Sin, A Walk to Remember, Shanghai Nights, Catwoman, and Eagle Eye. So I'll let you judge him. Yeah, can't get them all, man. I know. Arnon Arnon Milchan has produced more than 150 movies in his career. He's one of the producing partners that makes up Regency and his career began with Martin Scorsese's movie that Joker ripped off, a little movie called The King of Comedy. He did Pretty Women, Legend, Brazil, JFK, Falling Down, Made in America, the underwatched Oliver Stone movie called Heaven and Earth with Tommy Lee Jones, The Client, Natural Born Killers, which is an unbelievably prophetic movie in so many ways. <laughs> Heat, LA Confidential, The Negotiator, Fight Club, Tigerland, which is brilliant, by the way. You should totally fucking see that movie. Man on Fire, The Fountain, which is one of my very favorite movies. The Nonstop, Joyful, Fantastic Mr. Fox, 12 Years a Slave, Birdman, The Big Short, Widows, Ad Astra, and Little Women. So he's got a fuck ton of great movies on his career. But he also gave us Assassin's Creed, Noah, Joyride, <laughs> Broken City, Night and Day, Marmaduke, Epic Movie, City of Angels, and Murder at 1600, which, goddamn, dude. <laughs> I mean, I remember that's, that I texted uh, you. That's but... a pretty good batting average. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Dude, uh, did you... I, I mean, I know I texted you about it, but is that is was Murder at sixteen hundred the one with the ice bullet? The Wesley yeah, Snipes? Oh, okay. that's the one with ice. Okay, <laughs> just untraceable. I wanted to remember that properly yeah. because it's like fucking killing me. And I was like, was it that movie? I can't remember. But Julius Nasso has given us one of my very favorite cop movies, a movie called Narc. I can't speak highly enough about this movie. Seriously, drop what you're doing right now and watch it if you have not. Everything else he did is a piece of shit, but Narc is a classic. <laughs> The last producer I'll talk about is Steve Perry. Steve Perry gave a sudden impact, Roadhouse, Ooh. Die Hard 2, The Last Boy Scout, Speed 2 Cruise Control, and Lethal Weapon 4. Oh, Just no. Goddamn, dude. This takes the worst. I man. know, man. Yeah. Uh, no, seriously, dude. Look up his IMDb because it's all bad movies, man. It's like, <laughs> God, Jesus Christ, man. But he also gave us True Romance, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. So there's that. 
This movie stars Steven Seagal, Eric Bogosian, Everett McGill, Catherine Heigl, Morris Chestnut, and Jonathan Banks. Steven has been in 57 movies over the years, including such god-awful classics as Above the Law, which was his first movie, Hard to Kill, Out for Justice, Executive Decision, Exit Wounds with DMX, Half Past Dead with Ja Rule, Ticker with Nas and Dennis Hopper, which is a fucking terrible movie. (laughs) The Onion movie where he played Cock Puncher, which is one of his <laughs> more interesting roles. Yeah. Cock Puncher. Huh? Cock Puncher, yeah. And most recently with Above the Law, again with DMX. I don't know if he just... I, I mean, DMX wouldn't have a career, I don't think, without Steven Seagal. Like, I really don't remember him mm-hmm. in anything but Exit Wounds, to be honest with you. Eric Bogosian has been in Igby Goes Down, the excellent Val Kilmer movie Wonderland, which I liked most of, the TV shows Billions in Secession, and one of my favorites from last year, Uncut Gems, which is an absolutely brilliant exercise in tension and acting. Wait, what was his name? Eric Bogosian. Eric Bogosian. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't recognize him so much in uh, in Uncut Gems, but he has like this small role where he's in. He like abducts Adam Sandler's character when they're in the in the SUV, and he's yelling at him about he's resurfacing his fucking swimming pool. And he strips him naked and locks him in the trunk of his oh, own car. Nice. nice. Yeah, okay. that's Eric Bogosian. <laughs> Everett McGill, who I refer to as the Russian-looking bad guy throughout this episode, is an accomplished stage actor, having over 1,300 Broadway performances to his credit. He was, in, he was in the David Lynch TV show Twin Peaks, as well as Lynch's The Straight Story, which again, I love, as well as Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood, and the brilliant and underwatched jean jacques Sonod movie called Quest for Fire, which I fucking love that movie dude you seen that shit no i haven't oh dude it's so good man it takes place in caveman times and it's about these cavemen that are like trying to find a new source of fire yeah it's oh dude it's so good man you gotta check it out it's like got ron perlman in it and they're in this like uh neanderthal makeup the whole movie (laughs) 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 they they don't speak like there's it's all grunts and like shit like that and it's fucking fantastic man Uh, i'll have to send it to you man you gotta check it out it's so fucking good oh and he was in david lynch's bastardization of dune Catherine heigl you'll inevitably know from knocked up which she used as an opportunity to fuck her career up more on that later she's been in a lot of bad movies including one for the money the ugly truth which is a fucking horrible pile of excrement (laughs) new year's eve 27 dresses the ringer the horrifying johnny knoxville starring special olympics rigging movie which we spoke about previously And her probably gonna have to watch that one soon. Oh, uh, dude, I no, 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 I can't. I that that's the one I draw the line at, dude. And her horrible attempt at action comedy called Killers with Ashton Kutcher. Also, never see a movie called Home Sweet Hell. I saw this movie in an advanced screening in LA. I mentioned how the crowd was filled with actors and wouldn't stop sucking the writer director off trying to get a role in his next movie. <laughs> despite how fucking awful this movie is. Lastly, Morris Chestnut is perhaps most well-known for his incredible work in John Singleton's masterpiece, Boys in the Hood. He was also in the underwhelming movies Higher Learning and G.I. Jane, which has probably the stupidest third-act battle scene I've ever seen in a movie, and a ton of mediocre movies like Confidence, Breaking All the Rules, and Ladder 49. Side note, See the Best Man from 1999 and Girls Trip from 2007, both are funny and totally entertaining. Just saying. I mean, if you want some good comedies, there you go. This movie is written by Richard Hatem and Matt Reeves and is based on characters by J.F. Lawton. 
This movie was Richard Hatem's first script, and he'd go on to write the Mothman Prophecies, which is terrible, as well as a bunch of TV, like Supernatural, Gender Swap, no idea what the fuck that is, (laughs) (laughs) Witches of East End, and Titans. Matt Reeves is an outlier in this bullshit movie. If you don't recognize his name, he announced his presence in 2008 with the found footage movie called Cloverfield, which I still find highly entertaining and well-made, as well as direct the remake of the brilliant Swedish horror film Let the Right One In with the 2010 movie called Let Me In. Shout out New Mexico film where this movie was shot. He'd go on to direct the fantastic Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and its incredible sequel War for the Planet of the Apes. Seriously, man, he established himself as some fucking badass directing just with those two movies. He's currently filming The Batman as we speak, which I really hope doesn't suck. I am not holding my Mm. breath, though, after the last two incarnations of Batman by Affleck were embarrassing. But we do have Robert Pattinson in the lead, and he's really shown himself to be a great actor over the last five or six years. So who knows? I just don't hold out too much hope when your villains are the Penguin, the Riddler, and they even have Catwoman in this movie, even though I like Colin Farrell, Paul Dano, and Zoe Kravitz, respectively. It just, I I don't know, man. It sounds like a bad idea. (laughs) He did, however, write the awful David Schwimmer movie called The Paul Bearer and the equally terrible Marky Mark movie called The Yards, but we will see. Oh! The fuck did you eat, man? Oh, dude, I, I ate pizza earlier today, and then for breakfast, I made breakfast pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> It's been a pizza kind of day. Uh, the breakfast yeah. pizzas were dope, though, man. I made maple glazed bacon and chopped that shit up and threw it on there with some oh, uh, nice. with some serrano peppers and uh, parmesan cheddar and queso blanco, tomatoes, onions, cracked egg in the middle. It was dope. I dug it a lot. <laughs> this movie is directed by Jeff Murphy, who previously produced episode 13's movie, Dante's Peak and has directed Young Guns 2, Free Jack with Emilio Estevez, and the pretty goddamn decent movie Utu from 1983. As a Kiwi director, he also had the pleasure of being the second unit director of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So for that achievement alone, he has my (laughs) eternal gratitude and respect, despite his forgettable filmography overall. Under Siege 2 is 100 minutes long, and it was produced for a budget of $60 million, which is surprising because because the green screen works looks like it was produced on a budget of 150 grand. <laughs> it was released on July 14th, 1995 at 2,150 theaters and saw an opening gross of $12,624,000. Ouch. That was the number two spot, but it opened in the number two spot that weekend below Ron Howard's Oscar-winning Apollo 13 in its third week, being followed by the romantic comedy Nine Months in the number three spot in its first week, the erotic sci-fi film Species in the number four spot in its second week. Oh, and there's a classic, right? Yeah, there's a classic. And <laughs> this, okay, so when Species came out, of course, I was, uh, I don't know, 13 or something like that. And back in the day, you would have to like get a TV guide or some kind of magazine to tell you what was going to be on TV. Uh-huh. So I would specifically go through the TV guide for like the month and pick out all of the R-rated movies that listed <laughs> like rap violence, swearing and nudity and sexual content. And I'd like circle those and be like, all right, I want to see that. <laughs> find a time to watch it. And like when I saw Species, it had like all of the little descriptors that they could make up. Yep, 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 yep. And I was like, God damn, this sounds amazing. 
but I like planned it out. I was going to watch it at like 11 o'clock on a Saturday or something like that. And I'm like sitting down to watch it. And my mom like comes up and like sits down and watches the movie with me. Uh. <laughs> and so like, uh, yeah, the whole time there's like tits flying out. My mom's like, oh, pair of tits out. <laughs> just making all these uh embarrassing comments right permanently yeah. fucking you up mentally mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> can't really watch that movie without <laughs> thinking, thinking of your about. mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds that sounds terrible dude yeah it's too bad i i saw that movie on i on the ifc channel at like one in the morning when I was probably like 14 or something like that, a few years after it'd come out. And I enjoyed the shit out of it because my mom was not awake and neither was my dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad movie. It's a really bad yeah. movie, but it, it does go for the hard R rating and I really yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. It's not, but lastly, the top five that weekend was Disney's revisionist history animated movie known as Pocahontas or the previous version of Avatar, if you want to be specific, rounding out the top five in its fifth week. Under Siege 2 was in theaters for 171 days and ended its run with a $50,024,000 domestic and a $54,300,000 international, bringing its total to $104,324,000. You know what? When you, when you hear about these numbers, just got to contextualize this real quick. The hundred million dollar mark was like the mark to hit you know like that meant that your movie was a blockbuster that meant that that shit was dope and you know i mean back in the day that was a big deal when you broke a hundred million now it's like hundred million (laughs) what the fuck is that (laughs) but this makes this gross makes under siege 2 the 184th opening weekend for a movie in the month of july i'll say that again 184th in the month of july that's fucking terrible for an opening gross but not back in the day the 2015 teen romance comedy paper town sits above it and the aforementioned hugh grant vehicle nine months sits below it this gross also makes under siege 2 the 1624th all-time international box office record holder i found a new website which allowed me to look up to 3,000 places for movies Just fucking hilarious. But the underwhelming Taron Edgerton reboot of Robin Hood sits above it and the 2016 magical black man movie starring Will Smith that is universally derided by critics known as Collateral Beauty sits below it. If you haven't seen this movie with him and Edward Norton, it is fucking terrible like i i cannot speak about how bad this movie is this might actually be a great one for our podcast paul because this is this is some emotional porno that just gets all (laughs) fucked up it's really really shameful the country that knew steven seagal couldn't act and avoided this idiotic mess was bulgaria with a nineteen thousand eight hundred and four dollar opening and a twenty seven thousand and fifty nine dollar gross the all-time highest-grossing movie in Bulgaria is the Dances with Smurfs movie that is in our 11th episode, 2009's Avatar, with a $1,978,000 gross. However, there is some discrepancy on the numbers here as Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs from 2009 as well saw a $1,978,300 gross. The discrepancy is $40, 340 for Avatar, 300 for 
Ice Age, and it seems too close to be anything but a clerical error in the reporting and the numbers. That is to say, I'm going to go with Avatar and that this is the information that I found, but I think it's a little weird that they're so close together in the same year. I mean, think about it, dude. There's like tens of thousands of movies that people have to like put this information for in the internet, you know? So like maybe somebody got their wires crossed, especially doing box office numbers for Bulgaria from 2009. Like who the fuck tracks this shit? <laughs> Besides uh, the fact. To your benefit, though. Yeah. Gives you a little more information uh, to shit on something. So before I continue, it was extremely hard to find this next statistic. So if my exchange rate is wrong or my cost analysis is wrong, I apologize, but I encourage you to fucking try to find a cost of a movie ticket <laughs> in Bulgaria in 1995 and the exchange rate of the Bulgarian Lev in 1995. With that being said, with an average cost of 84.4 Bulgarian Levs or BGN as it is abbreviated in 1995 or a steal at just $1.27 uh -huh. per ticket American, that brings total asset i know dude 66 to 1 exchange ratio that's <laughs> fucking dope that brings total asses in seats to our highest number yet Fifteen thousand five hundred ninety-three point seven people saw this movie in bulgaria on its opening weekend jesus i guess they didn't avoid it as much as i thought <laughs> With a population of 8.427 million people in 1995, that means that 1.850 thousandths of a percent of the country of Bulgaria saw this movie opening weekend. That's a pretty good stat, man. It's like yeah. the thing to do is to go see the Steven Seagal Steven movie. Steven Seagal right? movie. I mean, <laughs> think about it, dude. It's Bulgaria. I mean, I don't know what their film going populace looks like out there, but like Bulgaria in the middle of July. Oh, wait, no, they're they're a northern hemisphere country. Never mind. I was about to say that they're probably frozen to death, but they're northern <laughs> hemisphere. I mean, they probably still are frozen to death. I mean, Bulgaria sees some wicked yeah. cold winters, but <laughs> Under, Under Siege 2 has a squinty 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb with 43,034 votes, a 52 on Metacritic, and a splatty 35% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 38% audience score. So Rotten Tomatoes are the people with a brain, apparently, not IMDb users. <laughs> Stunningly enough, the first Under Siege has a 79% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, ranking it better than Leon the Professional, Kick-Ass, <laughs> Lord of War, Gladiator, Braveheart, Mother, Kingsman, Requiem for a Dream, Black Hawk Down, <laughs> Pacific Rim, and Atomic Blonde. This is why I say that Rotten Tomatoes is full of shit. Go fuck yourself, RottenTomatoes.com. <laughs> it ranks highest amongst males aged less than 18 with a 6.1, while it ranks lowest amongst females aged 18 or less with a 4.7. Once again, I am stunned by the 2,112 people on IMDb that rated this movie a perfect 10 best movie ever made. Who the fuck would vote <laughs> this movie that? I mean, objectively, Paul, I know that you like this movie, but I, I would say even on the high end, man, like seven's pushing it, you know? i mean like it's it's entertaining <laughs> yeah, but like yeah. come on you know it's, what i mean uh, you know i when i watched it i liked it less than i remember myself liking it but uh yeah, yeah. it's probably more about knowing what a piece of shit steven skull is now <laughs> than, <laughs> than before yeah 
my favorite reviews begin with Desmond Ryan of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Desmond Papounders. I'm sorry. That is a fu- how the fuck did I fuck that up? Desmond Ponders. Quote: There is no discernible train of thought in Under Siege 2, but it serves up exactly what Seagal fans want: a movie where the body count is higher than the IQ needed to enjoy it. Score: two out of four stars. <laughs> Simona Chios of the Globe and Mail laments, quote, it's not acting, it's not movie making, it's not cooking, and it's hardly watchable, end quote. Original score, zero out of four stars. Lastly, James Berardinelli from Real Views waxes, quote, I have come to the conclusion that it's impossible for a Steven Seagal movie to be anything better than mediocre, and this particular travesty may be his worst yet. The title Under Siege is supposed to represent the situation faced by Seagal's character but it's equally appropriate in describing the experience of the poor viewer who has to sit through this film. <laughs> Lastly, Under Siege 2 Dark Territory is rated R for strong violence and language. They just completely left out the nudity in the ratings descriptor, which I find kind of interesting. Dude, hmm. the MPAA in the 90s was like all over the fucking map with their rating scheme, dude. Like fucking uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross, right, is rated R for language. That's it, language. Yeah. And that movie has like well over 200 F words. And I'm like, <laughs> that's like, that's pervasive strong language, if anything, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it is every other fucking word in that movie. <laughs> Side note, Al Pacino's rant where he yells at, uh, at Ed Harris and he tells him, let me buy you a pack of gum. I'll show you how to chew it. <laughs> what a big man you are. <laughs> It's my one of my favorite fuck yous in film history is yeah. that fucking line. Yeah, that classic. whole goddamn movie though, yeah. dude. That whole goddamn yeah, every every scene and every little bit of dialogue in that movie is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he yells at Kevin Spacey. He's like, "Hey, Williamson, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, shithead. Where did you learn your trade, you stupid fucking cunt? You idiot." I, I still like Alec Baldwin's Brass Balls. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> classic, classic, yeah. man. Yeah. What's your name? Fuck you that's my name because you drove here in a hyundai <laughs> coffee is for closers oh, right. you think i'm fucking with you <laughs> so good yeah yeah so paul it's sunday may 13th 1993 and in secunda south africa a methane gas buildup in a mine causes an explosion that killed 50 people and injured 83 others it was the second worst mining disaster in south africa's history meanwhile stateside another disaster is making his final appearance in his short mlb career ozzy canseco steps up to the plate at bush stadium in st louis it's the bottom of the fifth as Pete Shorek is on the mound pitching for the New York Mets. Uh, mm. Ye- <laughs> <laughs> years later, Ozzy years later, Ozzy would go on to attempt to pose as his twin brother Jose in a celebrity boxing tournament, but his impersonation as a fake celebrity is more favorably looked on than his career as a would-be ball player. 74 major plate appearances over his three-year career yielded him only 24 games played out of the 483 game total between his one season with the Oakland Athletics and his two seasons with the St. Louis Cardinals. He steps up to the empty diamond. First pitch by Shorek yields a ball. Canseco is mere minutes away from the end of his career. Second pitch yields a ball. 
Canseco sighs out, wondering how the fuck he batted a 200, yet he never had a homer and never stolen a base. He's one of a few ball players who actually is part of the 0-0 club. Completely fucking useless. Mm. <laughs> three years, three years he's been playing, no homers, no bases, with only 19 hits his entire career of 24 games. I think that puts his batting average at a .085, but I digress. 222 chances to hit the ball, and he hits it 19 times. 17 strikeouts in his career. Ozzy wonders if he can turn it all around on this last pitch. Spoiler alert. He doesn't. He <laughs> strikes out. <laughs> Mere seconds remain in his career as you wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. Okay, listen up. I'm Steven Seagal, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. I want you to know that I've got a movie idea, okay? It's uh, where I play Cook again, reprising my role in Die Hard 4, as Whoa. we call it, Under Siege 2. <laughs> <laughs> but uh listen, why are you fucking laughing don't fucking laugh at me i'll break your fucking arm off i know these techniques i studied in japan call me sensei okay sensei i'm sorry i couldn't see your belt with that gut hanging over it <laughs> <laughs> that's disrespectful motherfucker just like jet lee man i i'll fucking kick jet lee's ass any day now you know what I broke Sean Connery's wrist, okay? <laughs> you better take me seriously. All right, I broke his all wrist right, and fucking right, James right. Bond's head. All right, relax, yeah. motherfucker. Tell me what your movie's okay. about. Okay, good. You better respect me now. This movie, it's about some guys on a train, and they take it over. And it's really more about me being a badass, kicking everyone's ass. Like, <laughs> I want some close-ups of me tearing people's arms off <laughs> and breaking necks and everything. I really don't want a balanced movie. It's more about me just being a badass, okay? You don't want to feel any tension in the movie. You know that I'm just too tough to be, okay? Now, I've got Jenny McCarthy lined up for an audition tonight in my hotel room for this, okay? And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's going to go well with her. Uh, you know, if it doesn't, I'll, I'll still get a little bit of something-something, uh, you know, like I do with all those uh, other girls. Right, right, right. But let me tell you, let me tell you something. I like Russian chicks more than Americans because they can take a punch better. <laughs> <laughs> you can take a punch. Okay, so uh, I think in I think in the early two thousands your career is going to dissolve, Stephen. But continue. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, no. I've always got a music career after this. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> is that for real? <laughs> yep. Yeah, <no. laughs> oh my god. Check out some of his uh, some of his songs, man. I think I just shit my pants. <laughs> oh my uh, god! All right, I'm sorry. Continue, continue. All right. So I need sixty million dollars. If you don't fucking give it to me, fucking crack your skull open, okay? I right. know techniques. I know techniques. You know, Stephen, I'm gonna give it to you, but when you walk out of this room, it's probably gonna be because I feel sorry for you and not because <laughs> I'm scared of you. <laughs> Well, I'll take it anyways. <laughs> take it anyways. Dude, really? He has a fucking music career? Yeah, a couple albums. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, dude. I almost burst a fucking vein in my head laughing so hard. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, wow. <clears throat> All right. So, Paul, 
straight off the bat, man, like the uh, the brassy, the super brassy fanfare at the beginning of the movie. I know that this movie <laughs> is going to be American as fuck. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, goddamn, dude. Like I I fucking hate Steven Seagal. I really do. I've seen like probably five or six of his movies over the years. And it's just so I can like be sort of hip to what's going on with him, you know, like I at least say that I've seen some of his movies. So that way when I talk shit about him, I can cite specific examples as why he's a piece of shit. <laughs> but he dude, he has ballooned like a fucking blow up animal man i swear <laughs> to god i don't I, and like seeing him now even even in this movie dude seeing him move in this movie he's like he's like herman munster learned karate for a weekend <laughs> And that's what's going on. There's like, he keeps doing that double chop thing to people and you can see that he's not really hitting them. And there's actually one moment where he like, he chops this guy and then he swings his arms back and they like dangle like they're two fucking like meat logs (laughs) hanging by. It's really weird. I don't actually know how tall he is. I think he's pretty tall, right? He's like six, four or some shit Uh, like that. Yeah, I think he's pretty tall. Uh, at least yeah. he looks tall. I found this clip of him. It's from the 80s. I think he's on Johnny Carson or one of those kind of late night talk shows. And it's right. him demonstrating his Aikido skills. Or, right, right. Uh, and he's like beating up on this little Asian guy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah. It's like, look, I'm holding out my pinky. And this little Asian guy is like trying to push on him and stuff. And, <laughs> He's like, it's about energy. And meanwhile, he's like, you know, 12 inches taller, probably has 100 pounds on this. Right, right. And you're just like, all right. Dude, Terry Crews would wipe the floor with this motherfucker. (laughs) Dude, I went into some, like, I was reading into a lot of the the shit talkers going around about Stephen Skull because he's mostly hated everywhere. Right. I've always been surprised that he has a career, honestly, because like I don't I don't know other than like the white trash people that I know that are like big fans of Steven Seagal for like white trash reasons. I don't (laughs) know really anybody that's like a fan of him. And it's kind of crazy that he has like a whole fucking career that's been going on for more than 30 years, you know? Yeah. Well, okay. You uh if you look God, I can't remember the name. I tried to watch one of his most recent movies mm-hmm. and he's supposed to be like a special forces type guy, but he's like 65 <laughs> and he weighs like 300 pounds right. and 90% of his scenes, he's like sitting in a chair. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's it's, terrible, it's man. Pretty, it's pretty yeah, sad. It's terrible. I mean, you think about like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's geriatric movies, but then you compare right. him to uh, Steven Skulls, and you're like, oh, you have. Fallen. I mean, you, you know, have dude. So I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to like pump him up at all because I think that he's a terrible actor. But like Sylvester Stallone still puts in the work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. on on uh, Expendables two, he like broke his neck twice during that <laughs> movie. <laughs> fucking making that thing and like a part of it is is his age but it's also that he was doing like some really really intense stunt work that you know he got fucked up doing but he's got like permanent nerve damage from that movie because (laughs) he fucked up so badly but you know like he's putting in the work man steven seagal is sitting in a chair like eating a sandwich i don't know what the fuck's going on with that guy but dude like uh i i totally forgot i saw this movie i saw this movie like i don't know maybe when i was 15 16 something like that and i 
hadn't seen the first one yet. I had started with this one, and then I went back and I watched the first one. Yeah. But like, I forgot that Katherine Heigl was in this movie. Like, Jesus Christ, yeah, man. she's like, really young. She really fucked up her career with that whole knocked up, reductive toward women thing. Like, okay, so I, I said that I was going to go into this, and I wanted to go into this. If, if you well don't now. If you don't know about this, she said Knocked Up was, quote, a little sexist, that it paints women as shrews, as humorless and uptight, and it paints the, it paints men as lovable, goofy, fun-loving guys. I had a hard time with it on some days. I'm playing such a bitch. Why is she being such a killjoy, end quote. All right, so she's not, she's not entirely wrong in that sense, but, like, if you look at her, the reason why I have such a problem with this statement isn't because I love Knocked Up or I think Knocked Up is, like, a perfect example of, like, feminist sentiment or some bullshit i'm not trying to say that it's it's very much one-sided and skewed toward men in their comedy the reason i bring it up early is that Catherine has spent a majority of her career after knocked up doing movies that failed the Bechtel test on every single fucking level movies that are so vapid of female perspective that it actually shocks me that she singled this one out of all the movies that she's done the ugly truth and 27 dresses exist people you single this one out as being reductive toward <laughs> women dude Jonathan Banks is in this fucking movie man like I forgot Mike yeah, was in uh... this no, that's pretty cool. We're talking about Mike from Breaking Bad. Breaking and, Bad. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, he has the, the moment where he gets kicked in the face and then like <laughs> crushed under a train and like pieces. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty great, honestly. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it's it's a good thing that he went on to do Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul because between this and his abstinence-only public service ad, this man has made some shameful, <laughs> shameful shit. Like, seriously, if you haven't seen his public service announcement, <laughs> Google Jonathan Banks abstinence on, you know, YouTube or whatever and check it out, man. It is it is so horrifying. It's like fucking fantastic, actually. But he, at least he apologized about it years later. He was saying hmm. like, oh, you know, it was like it's the early 90s. I needed some money and you know, it was <laughs> what it was. And I was like, okay. Okay, yeah. cool. But dude, Kurtwood Smith, man. Kurtwood Smith. I actually feel bad for this guy. He's like a punchline like Tom Arnold, man. Like every time Kurtwood's name comes up, it's always for some fucking terrible joke. I don't know anything about Kurtwood Kurt, Smith wait, other than who the, who the fuck is the this general. Guy? The general, the guy from the dad uh, from that 70s yeah, yeah, show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he shows up in this. Yeah. I, I feel bad for him, man, because like him, Tom Arnold, and I'm trying to think of uh, who else during the 90s was all part of that whole dick click during that time where they were just like <laughs> idiot actors that were just kind of getting shown up in these action movies and they're like, whatever, but their careers are for shit. But otherwise, you know, regardless, dude, gr the, the visual effects in this movie look like shit, like really, <laughs> really bad uh, CGI. Classic. Yeah, the, I love the, the grazer, CGI in this. The <laughs> The Grazer <laughs> 1 satellite looks like absolute garbage, okay? So, yeah. like, I just, I want to put this in perspective real quick. Like, this movie was made for 60, and Apollo 13, which has some of the best visual effects in any space movie, even to this day, was made for 70, only $10 million more. Whoa, goddamn. So, and they had to pay Tom Hanks. Fuck. I know, dude! Like, what the <laughs> fuck? What happened to all the money on this? Seriously. Uh, hmm. I mean, I know that they blew up that whole mm. like train miniature thing, but that's a miniature, man. It's not like they blew yeah. up an actual train or anything. I think they did a lot of really weird stunt things around the train that uh, were pretty expensive rigs and stuff like that. Like, I remember something I mean, about like the mirrors. stealth fighter. Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, in the final train scene, when he's like running from the train 
coming through the train. <laughs> I think that was a whole thing, like a whole set that they uh, destroyed or, mm. or something like that. I don't know. No, it's mm. probably uh, went to Russian prostitutes, things like that. <laughs> you know, I, you know, Paul keeps making allusions to this, but I'll just say Steven Seagal is a womanizer, <laughs> fucking sexual assault, creeping, fucking woman beating piece of shit. Like he really is. And so like for that reason alone, you should absolutely abhor this guy. Fuck this guy. But besides the fact, we're going to move on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, on this movie, he uh, allegedly said to Catherine Hagel, who was 16 at the time, oh, God. that he was talking about he wanted to go on a date with her. And she's oh, like, I'm 16, God. bro. And he's like, ah, oh, you know, the young ones don't seem to mind with me. And so, <laughs> fucking pedophile, dude. Fuck, man. Yeah. And uh, the Jenny McCarthy thing, that was a whole thing about him getting her to do a private audition for this movie. Uh, in a hotel room and telling her that uh you know it was a nude part and he needed oh my uh, god needed to see the goods and she's like no nah, man my agent told me specifically there was no nudity and fuck you <laughs> fuck you bro <laughs> i'm well, not doing it at least she yeah. stood up for herself man yeah, when is this guy gonna when is this guy gonna get harvey weinstein man dude he is he is kind of on the fringe already <laughs> like okay search for uh steven skull reddit ask me anything and uh, <laughs> it was pretty good stuff dude pretty good stuff like oh, just hundreds of comments just tearing into him i don't think he got to answer <laughs> anything honestly was, was... is that is that where south park came up with their whole episode where like uh uh who was it was it oh where butters has to like censor cartman's instagram and all of his online shit and then steven seagal has butters do the same thing like butters is know. just like fucking cracked and his eyes are all bloodshot he's just like you have no idea how much dark shit i have to wade through in order to find (laughs) (laughs) steven seagal like got sued for pumping some kind of cryptocurrency thing yes yes like you know a quarter of a million dollars in penalties for some sec violation he fucked up pretty badly on Mm -hmm. that one i remember that it's also best pals with vladimir putin so uh yeah you can imagine what kind of guy he is (laughs) (laughs) yeah sounds a lot like our president but moving on probably best pals with trump too honestly yeah yeah all right all right enough (laughs) (laughs) don't worry i'm gonna shit on him for the rest of this episode but but dude like having having nerds with hard-ons creeping on the girl on the beach because they're nerds like and saying enhance is the most 90s movie <laughs> bullshit ever yeah like, god uh, damn yeah. but i think steven, that's why i wanted to become an electrical engineer right there that scene i'm like oh, did, oh fuck you dude like a sweet ass satellite just uh you know creep on down. girls yeah creep on girls <laughs> <laughs> just kidding but uh and uh, to, uh, offer my retraction of the week. I did not become an electrical engineer to creep on girls. Just, <laughs> just making a joke. Let's back up. <laughs> but anyway, dude, like Steven Seagal has always been an ugly motherfucker and his helmet hair gel is just like way too yeah, much for me. Pretty- like how did this dude become a movie star that's what i really want to know like how did this guy become a movie star and for that matter how did chuck norris become a movie star like (laughs) ugly motherfuckers and you know what while we're at it we may as well throw a couple more in there you know (laughs) i just 
I don't understand, man. Like, uh, you know, like fucking Dolph Lundgren. Like, I, I get that he yeah. kind of like blew up after Rocky, but like, you know, dude, that guy's an ugly motherfucker, and he's in a ton oh, of dude, shit. He's about kicking ass. These all these ugly action heroes are just because they're supposed to be badass. It doesn't matter if their face is smashed up, like like Charles Bronson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Charles Bronson's an ugly. It brings motherfucker. a little more more authenticity to it. You know, you could sure. believe that he's been punched a couple times <laughs> in the throat and everything. So it's, it's fine. you know, though, dude, like Charles Bronson in Once Upon a Time in the West, I fucking love him in that movie, man. Oh, like yeah, with yeah. the harmonica oh god he's fucking amazing in that but anyway yo dude like steven seagal's delivery on the line i guess i'm not trained for this it's just like wow <laughs> like wow so but, you know i i know that i know that he's like a uh, i know that he's like a creative prick and he like he likes taking it like you know an active role in the creation process of his movies and how he's portrayed and shit like that but yeah. like i'm actually surprised that they've let him get away with it for as long as he did because like if you look at his like box office potential it really wasn't that great and like after the 90s it just like dipped severely yeah but he's still like making movies and he's still this way and i'm just like i don't he's not a fucking legend okay like he's not arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> no no he's it's kind of uh your your b-list of uh, right. action stars but, right i mean shit he's like really old by the time he actually started being in movies like 35 or something like that he's probably yeah, and 40, then he wants to be- 40 in this movie at least so <laughs> and he wants to be an action hero like that's a late mm-hmm. start man yeah. but dude I, you know, I, I didn't gather it when I was rewatching this movie, but I forgot that this movie takes place where it starts in Denver and they're traveling to LA. Yeah. And I'm like, what do these people not know what a plane is? Like, why the <laughs> fuck? Why the fuck are they getting I, on a train? I, and- the whole the set piece of the movie, which is probably my favorite part about the movie, is that it takes place on a train. And train movies are almost always good. For whatever reason, just especially <laughs> action movies. There's just so much, so many things you could do with the train. So many entertaining set pieces and sequences you could do. But, you know, they explain it that the girl, what's her name? Uh, his niece's or his brother and his niece's father died in a plane crash and they're going to his funeral. Oh, right. And so it's a bad idea to take a plane to a funeral for a plane crash victim. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I was too busy like huffing paint fumes when uh, <laughs> when I when I was watching this movie. But I think I, so. I, 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 <laughs> I miss that. But dude, like I, I was I forgot that it was Denver though, because like when yeah. the train is taking off, there's like that wide shot from the helicopter. And the streets of Denver are empty as fuck. And it's kind of wild yeah, to look weird. at. It's like, yeah. Jesus Christ, what the hell? And I know that Denver know was like smaller during this time, but it wasn't like that much smaller. I mean, it still must have had like eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand yeah. in it. I mean, now it's like two point three million, but you know, it's like fucking nuts. You know, I think it's funny any movie that takes place on a train, they have to have an ex explanation as to why it takes place on a train why any was riding on the train to begin with <laughs> like planes trains and automobiles yep yeah oh dude just oh what was i i texted you something the other day that they're mm. remaking planes trains and automobiles i don't know if i did i text you that no no don't don't <laughs> fuck with that movie <laughs> <sighs> who was who they, it uh, kevin hart and will smith are starring in it dude god damn it <laughs> fuck Fuck them. Sons Who's going to take the John Candy role? You think it's going to be Kevin Hart, dude? No, it's going to be Will Smith. He's going to be the kind of Golden Heart buffoon, and Kevin <laughs> Hart's going to play the straight straight part, I think. Oh, man. I don't know, dude. 
It, Will Smith's just like really annoying, so I think yeah. that's <laughs> that's how it's gonna go. Yep, remaking that movie, dude. But you know, uh, we do have later on this year, we do have Made in America two coming up, so I'm looking forward to that. Eddie Murphy's back, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it uh, his Dolomite movie was pretty entertaining. I uh, have not yeah. seen that yet, dude. I yeah, check it out. It's pretty. I mean, should watch the original Dolomite. Right, first, right, right. I, I've then, seen the original okay, Dolomite. All right, then, then, then it's pretty entertaining. It's just a. Uh, it's kind of a fun movie about stringing together a shitty movie and putting everything you got into it. So, you know, I'll uh, check it out. But Eddie Murphy is really good. He's a good yeah. man. I heard, I heard, man. I heard he like he's trying to come back with that movie. But uh, bro, dude, dude, in this movie, dude in the Humvee <laughs> enters the code to enter a chain link fence. Six nine star or six nine pound. He swings the gate open <laughs> and we can see that there is clearly no interlock system uh, on the fence requiring the code. So movie prop problem, you know, this is saying there's all kinds of good stuff. Oh, like dude. <laughs> okay. My favorite part about this movie is the trains have these gigantic like compartments on interlinking either like either side. So it's like big enough for kind of two humans to sit yeah. in. Yeah. And it's this big air grate right next to the toilet in the bathroom with a giant access panel and you're just like i mean if you sit down on this toilet to take a shit you're just like looking through this air grate with a human-sized like cubby space and you're like all right some fucking creep is is behind this thing for sure yeah in this bathroom <laughs> probably works for tsa now yeah but they use the the air grade to like move between cars secretly and uh, store some bodies and things, you know. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a real yeah. thing out of on the train. Right there. <laughs> yeah, I was bothered by that too. I wrote that later in my notes, but. <laughs> Dude, Seagal, Seagal and his super quiet voice always bothered me. I don't buy anything he says because it sounds like he's having or that he's avoiding intonation so he doesn't make a fool of himself and reveal how bad of an actor he is. That's, that's a good ploy, man. Just going to speak yeah, quietly. Quietly, yeah. Don't quiet, make any sort of inflection. But so, hey, <laughs> I, I, I have a huge problem that the only black person thus far on the train is a oh, porter and that he's <laughs> mopping up the train car and being made a fool of by Catherine Heigl. It's a classic, classic example of a fucking token character and it's terrible. Like, this is the mid-90s, man. Like, this same year, this same year, Die Hard with a Vengeance is out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like that whole thing about like defining Sam Jackson's character and like the way that he's a proud black man, but it's yeah. still comedic and there's still plenty of like slapstick bullshit that happens in that movie right. that's fucking out of control, by the way. I love that yeah. goddamn movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude, seriously, like I don't, I know that like Die Hard came out after this movie and they were making it at the same time, but like I, it's just this product of the 90s that it's like you look back on it and it's like it wasn't that long ago people you know what i mean like it wasn't yeah. that long ago that we were doing fucked up shit to black actors in white movies and making them look like fools and it's fucking insane that it was just that long ago but but besides the fact the conductor yeah. gets sorry i was God. gonna say sorry you bring up die hard which is what this movie was kind of written you know it's the same right. situation as a die hard right. but then Steven Seagal took it over and kind of like turned it into his own thing. <laughs> but the, the original script supposedly had like a scrappier kind of more out of his, out of his comfort area type huh. thing going on more like the original Die Hard. But then Steven Seagal wanted me the ultimate right. badass and 
There is an kinda, under siege kinda three. On this. <laughs> What's that? There is an under siege three. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, I'm dead serious, dude. There is an under siege three. Uh, Seagal is, is not in it, but uh, it is a sequel. So there's that. But besides okay. the fact, <laughs> dude, I, I want to bring up for a second that the conductor of the train, in order to get this movie started, gets flagged down and they say to each other, these aren't our guys. They literally say that these aren't our guys, but they still bring the train to a complete stop. I know that this is pre 9-11 and maybe they don't want to like run over some motherfuckers, but you figure they would have seen this shit a while up the train a little bit and radioed back. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know what the protocol yeah. is if you just keep going and hope that they get the hell out of the way. But I think you can purposely run someone over but then again i don't know i'm not a i'm not an engineer on a train here i mean but it does it does take a fully loaded train like over a mile to stop and these guys are only like a couple hundred yards in front of the train and they're still somehow able to stop this train which is a problem that i have later as well as it's like trains don't <laughs> stop like that but besides the fact it's crazy man but seagal's i, I brought up seagal's double hand chop already but it always cracks me up <laughs> But I'm like, dude, does that actually work? Like, it's his signature move is like the hand chop to the neck. And I'm just like, that doesn't do anything. Like, you know, <laughs> you could punch somebody in the throat pretty fucking hard and it takes him down, but it doesn't knock him out. Like, I don't understand what the hand chop thing All is. Right. I don't know. I'm not a martial artist, but uh, I mean, if you think about trying to concentrate, you know, your force on one specific small area on the neck, you know, it could fuck you up. There's probably some nerves or something there that could mess you up. I don't but know, it's man. Steven Seagal, everything he does, he's just like ripping people's <laughs> that's I think that's why I like this movie so much, is just because Steven Seagal is just fucking people up left and right in really violent ways. Like I think my favorite is when he like turns this guy's wrists upside down and just like cracks his hands off basically <laughs> <laughs> it's got a really nice really nice sound effect to it yeah yeah i mean there's some entertaining shit in this i'm not gonna lie about yeah. that but Dude, but all these terrorists have nine millimeter submachine guns, but they all punch through the steel hull of the train and still have enough force to kill people in the car when they're shooting into the fucking kitchen. <laughs> and that's that's not how bullets work. Again, like this is another thing that movies get wrong every single fucking time. But I'm like, dude, that's not how nine millimeter bullets work. They wouldn't puncture a fucking hull. And then there's like uneven I mean, rules in this movie, dude. It's like yeah. one time it punches through the hall, and then like in the next scene, Steven Seagal like throwing open a fucking like instrument panel and like the the God. instrument panel door is stopping the bullets and i'm just like so which one is it like can it punk like what the fuck's going on here uh, i don't know see those doors look like they're heavy right so you assume that they're made out of plate steel for whatever reason and so the, uh you know yeah, the, the exterior of the train which keeps people from dying wouldn't be made out of anything but like plate or like fucking sheet aluminum. Yeah, it's uh, just uh, it's just a thin aluminum. I mean, they got to keep it light, right? <laughs> sure, like, sure, oh. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, his uh, he he comes up with his follow up line. And he says his delivery on this you are trained for. Yeah, that's even worse. Like I fucking hate that line even worse. It's like it's like he's line it's reading to the director, for. dude. It's like he's line yeah. reading to the director, and you can almost see him. Like if you look at that line, he looks up toward camera, and they cut away 
away before he flashes camera. And I'm like, did he actually give a line reading? And like, that's the take that they used was his line reading. It's fucking stupid. I know he has uh, he has some pretty bad lines. He also has some pretty good lines in this. You know, he uh, he has decent one-liners, <laughs> but dude, like his one-liners pale in comparison to everything that Arnold Schwarzenegger did, even in his bad movies. Man, like, yeah, Arnold's no, one-liners no, I mean, are legendary. Man, it's fucking insane. <laughs> That man has more one-liners than any five actors, man. I swear to God, it's yeah. fucking incredible. His whole movies are just strings of one-liners. That's all they are. <laughs> I miss that kind of '90s action writing, yeah. bro. Like it's not around anymore. It's a fucking shame. Because there's nobody like that anymore. There's nobody like Arnold Schwarzenegger around anymore. That's doing movies like that. You know that they got these stupid yeah. cheesy one-liners. I mean, Jason Statham tried to do something about it for a second, and then he like fucked up royally with the Transporter series, and he decided he should go do something else for a while. Yeah, and it was just a real shame. But mm-hmm. it's like, fuck, man, we don't have this anymore. But I, I want to talk about Eric Bogosian for a second, bro. Eric Bogosian's perm is too much for me to get over. <laughs> like, goddamn it! Oh. Holy shit. It's real intricate. It's it's like it's like dripping too with like Jerry Curl. I don't know what the hell they were doing back in the nineties, but I I look at it and I'm like, wow, man. As a kid, I think I liked his character a lot more than I do as an adult. I think is mainly his like complete disregard for human life, but at the same time having a sense of humor, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, dude, I like how I like how yeah, their torture instrument, their torture instrument when they're gonna torture oh. those people at the beginning is a butane soldering iron. And I'm like, and they, they play it even... out like it's some custom made torture device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's just a little soldering <laughs> but they don't, iron. They don't even begin to torture these people, dude. It's all psychological, know, yeah. and they give up these extremely valuable codes. I'm like, you fucking people! Like, what the yeah. fuck? And then they get murdered anyways. I mean, I what know. You could have just told him the wrong code i know he would have believed you and then he would have typed in the wrong one and the whole thing would have just blown up you know (laughs) (laughs) i know man but but you know bad guy eric says he's going he's using a part of an electro of the electromagnetic spectrum to transmit his data to the satellite but the electromagnetic spectrum is light not powerful enough in this scenario in order to penetrate from his dinky transmitter to penetrate the fucking atmosphere (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right. I gotta. We'll we'll, all right, we'll you take a moment to me for it this, aside. Right? All right. So the the EM spectrum goes all the way from low frequency like radio waves, all right, the right. way from you know microwaves, ultraviolet, to infrared, yeah. Yeah, yeah, visible light, ultraviolet, gamma rays. I mean, it's this giant range of frequencies. Back in the nineties, there's this <laughs> small area of uh, radiation in the millimeter wavelength that no one could really access and get at and it's actually when you go to like tsa and you get the full body scan that's millimeter wave technology but that in the early 90s was not well well studied at all so he could be referring to like the terahertz millimeter wave technology <laughs> that that's all is transmitting equipment and everything and of course and it's not going to go through it's not going to go through a uh, a steel train train right but you know whatever it's (laughs) it's close enough it's close enough (laughs) with that dinky little transmitter man come on (laughs) 
<laughs> but dude, dude, a, a stranger part for me is that they tie mm-hmm. them down with ratchet straps. That I really didn't understand. They have like these S-hook ratchet straps, and these are extremely sophisticated and well-oiled like fucking mercenaries, but they tie people down with ratchet straps? I was just confused by that, dude. When did they do that? I don't remember. And when they have the two people and they're going to stick the fucking soldering iron in their eye. It's oh. ratchet straps that they tie oh. them down with. And I'm like, what the... F- like they don't even ratchet it down either. You can see that they're like just kind of loose. Because if you crank down on a ratchet strap, oh, like yeah. you could snap somebody's fucking clavicle right. pretty easily. I mean, they're not shit. trying to kill them or something. I get it. I get it. But I'm like, dude, ratchet straps? Really? Like you don't just, I mean, I just fucking rope, bro. Like rope would do a better job, man. Because you can see I that mean... these things are like on them like suspenders. <laughs> and all they have to do is like shake back and forth a little bit and they'll wiggle out of that shit. But mm. I think it's a good idea to it. use ratchet straps, honestly. All right. You know what? I mean, Man, I'm, I'll strap you in it. a fucking you chair. Get hand, you get it hand tight and give it like one or two cranks, and they're not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, and no, no way are you gonna fuck up a knot or anything <laughs> like that. It, yeah, no. And then yeah, you could re- get them just <gasps> pull the little thingy out. <laughs> oh goddamn! <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> No, like seriously though. I mean, it's like, dude, a fucking ratchet strap. I was just confused by it. I'm like, you, you, you could tie people down with some solid core nylon, and there's no way that they can break that shit. Like little S hook ratchet straps like this, 350 pounds of force, and you snap that motherfucker. You know what I mean? Yeah, no Whatever. Joke. It's so it's part of the torture, right? You know, it's a ratchet strap. You can feel oh, that come getting on. tighter, tighter and tighter with each little like. They don't do on. that though, man. That's the whole <laughs> fucking thing. They just leave them alone. It's fucking. Well, it's the threat. It's the threat of being able sure, to do that. Yeah. Sure, like the rack. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, Eric, Eric typing in the code simultaneously with his hands, like he's hammering oh, yeah. on a keyboard, is terrible, man. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, it's, it's so like he's, uh, it's like he's Bach or something right, playing on right, the right. on the, the, the organ. The organ, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Genius. But you know that that's pretty terrible, but not quite as terrible <laughs> as the green screen on the on Seagal hanging out of the window of the train. Like, dude, all right. So, like, this is just me. This is just no. me having worked in the film industry for as long as I have. But like, when you do green screen out of a window, there's a very real thing called kickback, right? Because you're shining light on the green screen, and it can bounce off and come back through whatever your subject is that you're trying to light. So the minimum distance that you're supposed to keep a green screen away from a subject if you're lighting it is 15 feet, right? That's if you're not shooting outside or whatever. That way the kickback isn't strong enough in their hair or their cheeks or whatever in order for it not to be able to be taken out in post. But this movie, it's like the green screens were like two feet off of the fucking window, dude. It was really (laughs) every single goddamn shot you could see green on people. I mean... Luckily, they don't rely on the green screen for too many of the effects. It's mostly a couple... I mean, it's like the the background in the train moving, but there aren't a lot of I'm jumping off a cliff and it's green screen type <laughs> type bullshit or I'm in front of the explosion, green screen. Yeah, no, it's... Right. So right. They, they don't rely on that too much because, yeah, you're right. They are pretty awful. Right. But, you know, Seagal, Seagal gets on top of the train, but his hair isn't moving in the breeze. Like, that fucking blows that my mind. Some hardcore shit. Oh, I mean, dude. even his hair cannot be moved. It's just his will alone keeps his hair perfectly yeah, straight. Fuck you. <laughs> 
But they, they push a woman from the train and they cut to the wide of a mannequin falling into the water from the fucking bridge. <laughs> it's so bad, dude. It's, it's, it's like, bad, oh, but nice. they have the, the scream sound effect, which adds a little little funness, I think, because it's, it's an original scream sound. I haven't heard that sound effect before, unlike the no. Wilhelm scream or something. Oh, dude, they should have just thrown yeah. a Wilhelm in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, I would have been in there. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, the, she splashes in the water. The scream abruptly ends. I thought it was pretty satisfying. Death. <laughs> All right, so the Paul. other guy, they just like push him out and they shoot him with the machine gun off screen. <laughs> like, ah, that wasn't that. Would have been more fun to see something. You know, chunks flying around. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably the lamest death in the movie. I think throw oh throwing the guy off the train and shooting him. Yeah, yeah. So, dude, I want to ask you this, dude. Computer code isn't measured in pages, right? Like it's measured in lines. So I'm like, uh, three hundred thousand pages of code doesn't mean anything. Your page could be a fucking you know punch card for all yeah. I know. <laughs> like three hundred thousand yeah. lines isn't even that impressive. Like Windows ninety five this same year had four million lines of code. <laughs> well, like, so I mean, lines, there may be some measure that a page is so many characters. That's really what it comes down to when you write code is how many characters it is. I mean, lines, still- you can, depending on the language, you can write as many statements on a line as you want. It's really frowned upon, but <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can squeeze a lot of code onto one line. So it's that's more true. about how many characters it is or some <laughs> shit. I don't know. All right. So pages means nothing. But, then, is it? <laughs> but then, so he's talking, he's bragging about his CD-ROM. Right, right, right. right. amazing piece of technology. Right. Like, all the, the mercs are like, they're utterly transfixed on this amazing right. CD-ROM. 700 megabytes, dude. <laughs> 700 megabytes. God damn. You know, I mean, the best part, though, about his, like, supercomputer is then find, they find Ryback's uh, Steven Skull's Palm Pilot and he's like, yeah. he's like, oh, all I need is a gig of RAM and uh, that'll <laughs> hack me into this thing. Oh, so. dude, I, I wrote that down. I was going to get to that later, but it's like, I'll, I'll get to the Palm Pilot in a second because that was too good for me to pass up. But, you know, he kisses the CD and it's really fucking cringeworthy and they pop it in there. Yeah. But hey, look at this. Wow, another black guy and he's a nerd in ATAC. So that's a little more progressive than having him as a fucking porter, like being made a fool of. Yeah, yeah they do have that guy. So Well, they call him a busboy and stuff and he's like, fuck yeah. you. I'm the porter. Porter, bitch. yeah. <laughs> so he's actually, he's proud to be a porter and he doesn't give a fuck. So think about right. it like that. But he's a fool throughout the entire movie. Well. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's kind but, of, you know, of, of course. He learns quick. He gets a little educated and he picks it up and then he ends up killing a couple terrorists throughout the movie. So. He kills one guy. He shoots one guy at the end. He shoots the guy at the end, but he also hijacks the helicopter and then throws like the, the whatchamacallit, chick out of the helicopter. And oh, she has all a right. Death. That's right. true. That's true. Jumping right. ahead a little right. bit. But, you know, it's but, he's not as bad as you might think. Uh, I don't know. Sure. All right. So I'm going <laughs> to skip ahead. I'm going to skip ahead. But of course, of course, the satellite, the U.S. Army designs, isn't able to be detected by the fucking military. That kind of blew my mind. They're like, that's oh, we designed one. it to be undetected. And I'm like, that's not how things in orbit work. Like, <laughs> 
God damn it. Like, seriously, it doesn't matter. Like, we know every spy satellite that every other country is using. We can't immediately get their information out of it, but oh, I don't know, man. Oh, you can make on. stealth satellites pretty easily. I mean, in 95? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, 95, they have the stealth fighters in this. Yeah. It uh, has true. radar absorbing material. It doesn't have much of a heat signature. Right. Cross section. You know, it's it's pl- painted black. You know, you're not right. going to see shit in space. <laughs> I, don't sure. know, I don't think it's too uh too far out of uh but they couldn't find their own fucking satellite a yeah, multi-billion yeah. dollar piece of equipment yeah that's the whole crux of the issue and then fuck oh, out of here yeah. <laughs> but i bet that kind of shit happens in the military all the time they're like fuck dude we just built this hundred billion dollar submarine and we can't find it right right what the fuck happened dude you know i mean after after the after the mars rover was like buried into the fucking surface of mars like anything can happen dude it was like what a three billion dollar mistake they just fucking uh, and it was such a stupid thing they they made the calculations in feet and then they programmed it in meters and it just fucking drilled into the atmosphere. <laughs> oh God, that was terrible. But you know, the dude, I, I want to talk about the dude that smokes in the situation room constantly. Right. Yeah. He's obviously not a smoker. He's like constantly just puffing it. He doesn't inhale it and he doesn't know how to hold a fucking cigarette. Like the whole yeah. time he's holding it like he's John Barrymore. And I'm like, God damn it. Like <laughs> just fucking teach him for 10 minutes how to hold yeah. a cigarette. Like for fuck's and then, sake. And then usually you inhale it. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. It was like he kept pumping it out. And I was like, what the fuck? It's like the whole reason you're smoking it is for the nicotine, but you're not inhaling it. Like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, he's kind of a douche. Useless. He is a douche. He's an idiot character. But bad guy, bad guy Eric uses the satellite to destroy a weapons plant in China, right? But wouldn't this be an act of war? Like China would launch a missile immediately towards someone. Oh, man. It's... uh... because it's all plausibly deniable. Hang it's on an a earthquake second. Weapon, Hang on a man. second. Hang on a you know, second. Just because an earthquake happened. If that, if that fucking Fuck. if that fucking plant isn't sitting on a fucking fault line, and all of a sudden there's an earthquake in the middle of mainland China, not near a fucking fault line. I mean, come on, man. Like you don't think that they're monitoring for earthquakes in China? Like they're gonna be like, wow, the epicenter just happens to be right on this plant that's not anywhere close to a fucking satellite or next to a fucking yeah. Fault line. But it's all deniable. That's the thing. I mean, they could I'll launch g- missiles, but uh, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll that's why it's the perfect to- weapon, man. It's I'll get all back deniable. to this in a second. I'll get back to it in a second because I got more to say about this shit. But Seagal, Seagal lifts the torn, the torn phone line on the wall and it sparks. Again, not how phone lines work. Like they don't spark just because they're sitting next to each other. Like it's a 12 volt line. It's not a lot of power and it's not going to spark when the wires are clearly not close enough to each other to cause a fucking problem, but whatever. But you know, no, there's a lot of good electrical moments in this movie. Like (laughs) how he just runs up to this truck, opens the hood and hot wires it within four seconds or whatever. Right, he doesn't even strip you, any wires. Well, you didn't but, notice, dude, is that there was pre-stripped wires pre-stripped in the wires. fucking shot. Yeah. And it just happened to be the two wires that he needed. 
<laughs> and you don't okay so like older cars like that you don't hotwire from under the hood you hotwire them from underneath the fucking dashboard like you rip out the uh the interlock on the fucking um the interlock on the key and then you right. short the two fucking wires together in order to start the car but older vehicles like that gmc i know that fucking year because my uncle had one you can literally start that motherfucker with a wrench like all you have to do <laughs> is stick the wrench between two bolts that are next to the fucking starting manifold and you yeah. can shoot together and actually start the car by yeah, shorting nice. under the hood i learned that trick a while ago with my dad <laughs> my dad my dad taught me how to hotwire cars and how to fucking break into houses and i don't know why he thought that i needed huh. to know that knowledge but he just thought you might need be- to hotwire your own car or break into your <laughs> own house at some point that's and, true you know if you can do it clean instead of smashing the window with the brick <laughs> you know it's- <laughs> it's very very true but dude the pentagon the pentagon has a nuclear reactor under it large enough in order to destroy most of the eastern seaboard like come on you know like (laughs) i i know that there's like all this shit about like the white house's underground bunker and it being impervious to nuclear attack and blah 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 blah. but like the pentagon like they don't give a shit about the people in the pentagon like the joint chiefs they can fucking wipe out all the joint chiefs and all you got is you know the president the vice president and speaker of the house is going to make all the fucking like commands that's why they call him the commander in chief for christ's sake you know what i mean but whatever but dude 18 megajoules man 18 megajoules that's actually not a lot of energy that's like really not it's like a stick of dynamite or something yeah but not not enough to cause a fucking earthquake that could trigger the entire san andreas fall and make arizona beachfront property i love i love how when that graphic shows it's like talking about how oh yeah if we just target the uh san andreas fault but it like shows the outline of the state of california basically disappearing and right right san andreas fault well i mean besides the fact (laughs) <laughs> Not besides the fact that like the San Andreas Fault is a subduction zone, which means that it would actually shift toward Arizona instead of toward the beach, which means that like the edge where it's the beach would become a mountainside cliff like the like the fucking Isles of White in the British Isles. It would be like that. Like that's actually what the San Andreas Fault no, is. No, no. San Andreas is a, a transverse fault. It means it's like rubbing together side to side. It's, it's not, not a subduction? subduction? No, no, no. That's not a subduction. But I mean, even if even so, even if it's a transverse fault, it's not going to break off and fall into the ocean. No, like, no, it's not. It, yeah, not even close. Right. I love that's. It's just... Uh, <laughs> It's always something that movie gets gets wrong get wrong about the San Andreas fault. It's not even right. that big of a fault. It's like <laughs> I know. Uh, it's a, hmm. right. <laughs> but dude, how how is a massive earthquake in China that destroys a <laughs> weapons plant a plausibly deniable scenario? You said the U.S. no. He says the U.S. knows and the Chinese know that we know, but they pretend like they don't know, and we <laughs> pretend like they don't know. So barring that the plant is built directly on the fault line, how is this plausible? deniability like they know about this shit and the u.s knows that they know about this shit <laughs> so what well the fuck? i mean we know that the plan exists and they know that we know <sighs> and we know that they know that we know but it's not but they don't know about the weapon <laughs> and we know that they don't know about the weapon so that's where the deniability comes in you see so just a magical earthquake rocks this plant and nothing else mm. around that area uh, act of god you know sure <laughs> okay all right so seagal 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 has a pistol 
and an Apple Newton, bro. God damn, what a piece <laughs> of garbage that PDA was. Like, that is a fucking travesty. Like, I fucking hate that uh, PDA. It was such a piece of yeah. shit. No, but man, he, mid, like, early and mid-90s Apple products were trash. They oh, fucked up fuck? really bad. Yeah, dude, they <laughs> fucked up really badly. But he, he, he hooks up two leads to the phone line and sends a fax and remarks no power but all the dude did was rip the receiver of the phone off he didn't disable the power on the train or else it wouldn't be moving you can't split levels like that on a train car that's not how power in a train works you know what i mean but you know besides the fact i'm not a train nah, i'm not a train electrician i don't know how they how they power those bad boys uh so but yeah, i mean they show the circuit breakers like later in the movie and it looks like they cut the power within the circuit breakers specifically to turn off the communication system so right. people couldn't call for help and then steven seagal like he has some weird electronics attached right. to it to give seagal it uses a jumper shit. cable to touch one side <laughs> of a fuse and it restores power that's what i was confused by is that he gets yep. that alligator clip and he touches <laughs> the non-conductive side like the power source side of the fuse and somehow it turns on the whole fucking train car and i was like oh what the fuck is happening <laughs> but, but you right. know what what, what right. we, gotta, we gotta we gotta talk about <laughs> pen right he's Penn. the he's the uh the white-haired like uh mercenary leader right the guy, guy that i was right? calling the russian guy Everett mcgill's yeah. character right, you right. call him russian but he looks almost exactly like mike pence and his name is <laughs> pen and i'm like oh shit this is what mike pence would be if he were like a log cabin republican oh he's sure, just getting dude. really frustrated with the whole thing because he's got like these weird <laughs> sexual moments in this movie where he's like being choked out by the niece and he's just right. like coming in his pants at the same time you know right <laughs> Does that weird <laughs> pressure thing in his cheek? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. that was good. Yeah. And then he has this weird sexual high when he's fighting Steven Seagal. Like he's right, about right. to. And they get in that hands. homoerotic knife fight near the end. <laughs> we'll, we'll get, we'll get yeah. to that. <laughs> but no, but, it's totally just think of him as Mike Pence, and the movie is a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> I, I could see that. I, I'll yeah. give you that. But Seagal, Seagal composes an, uh, an, an address to the Admiral and signs it because why? Advertising for Apple? Like, oh, look, we can use a stylus and sign this thing, which yeah. I'm about to fax. That, that was pretty high tech shit back in the day. I mean, I remember being that shit, able man. to draw with a pen on a computer. Was, oh, my God. That was, was mind blowing shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but first, but first, Paul, let's keep cutting back to the porter because he's the comedic relief like constantly <laughs> like they show him like trying to find something in the suitcases and he puts up the little like corset to himself and like makes fun of cover and concealment yeah, yeah. yeah that's pretty good and he flaps Fucking it around dog. yeah Fucking idiotic. <laughs> but Seagal slashes the dude with one eye's wrists. I'm sorry, wrist. But when we cut back to the wide, it's an un, it's a usual... Uh, I'm sorry. It is the usual slow Seagal fight scene where it looks like an old <laughs> fat guy trying to do karate. And it's like, when it's in these close-ups, it looks kind of intense. But like as soon as they go wide, you see like Seagal... Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> There's a couple moments where you can tell that they do the like fast-forward thing to make make yeah. the fight look like it progresses faster right, but it, right, yeah. it looks fake because the way people fall they fall too fast you know right. yeah. uh yeah mm, those aren't uh you know fight scenes aren't that great <laughs> but it's it's always like the crunchiness that keeps me coming back to this movie 
like his skull crushing and you know just just like the the casual disregard for human life in this movie like there's so many there's so many people that are collateral damage in this movie like i don't know how many civilians die but it's it's not a a small number right well i mean yes and no because then there's that fight scene near the end where they open fire in the train car with submachine guns and they somehow don't hit anybody that's like sitting down (laughs) but we'll get to that later but i want to talk about the pegasus rocket for a second paul the pegasus (laughs) rocket blowing up a satellite look at like just the image itself looks like a 90s video game not a multi-million dollar movie it's fucking shameful (laughs) terrible terrible cg you gotta love it it's uh yeah no it's like uh sci-fi channel kind of quality cg right there yeah absolutely but i i want to talk to you about i want to talk to you about a science question for a second paul because Uh eric says this is that he can cause an earthquake in midair but air doesn't have the same sort of viscosity to create fluid transfer that could destroy a jet like just saying i'm not sure exactly how that works i don't i mean how do you cause an earthquake in something i don't know i don't know how the weapon's supposed to work i don't know man but i mean say it can make ground vibrate with energy beams or some shit then it could make uh it can make a plane vibrate in the air to the point where it falls apart and blows up i'm just gonna say you can cause an earthquake you can take down a plane I don't know why they say it like an earthquake in, in midair. midair. I'll be damned. Yeah. But uh, yeah, 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 sure. If, if you right. cause an earthquake, you can blow a plane out of the sky. All right, let's. <laughs> you know. And by the way, this this weapon has a large erection, like phallus thing. Right, right, right. Like, and it keeps extending. It's, yeah. it's, it just keeps on growing. You're like, God damn, it's gonna go off, man. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> gotta watch out man it's popping up watch out yeah but Tra- travis i'm sorry eric is doing all of this just because he got fired like it's never clear exactly what his objective is here but he constantly talks about how he's been smarter than everybody there and that you fired him he didn't appreciate his genius and i'm like that's your reason like what the fuck like it's nothing yeah. else like it's just it's angry just because you're disgruntled well, is this what disgruntled engineers I mean, do he's, you know there was a guy who got fired from lockheed martin and i Albuquerque and came in the next day with a rifle and tried to shoot a bunch of people. But so, I mean, he came in with a rifle. He didn't get like some super right. weapon and like try to blow up I mean, an air force. If you space, designed you know? a super weapon, <laughs> then that would be your choice of, you know, getting back at your coworkers kind of thing. Right. I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, if you design cruise missiles and fucking your boss fired you and you're like, well, fuck you. I'm going to fucking fire a cruise missile into your house, man. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> right wouldn't you do that if you uh, had that i mean I if mean, you're gonna if you're gonna do it if you're gonna kill a bunch of people because you're pissed off you might as well make the most of what's available to you yeah have the most bang for your buck yeah. Yeah. and uh this uh this moment i need to apologize for that statement <laughs> <laughs> wasn't condoning mass murder uh, by Jesus. but yeah. <laughs> but dude they they shoot down they shoot down the NSA's only down looking satellite. I doubt the NSA yeah, only man. has one. Yeah, concerning the amount of coverage of the Earth and that moving satellites <laughs> cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to move a fucking satellite. There is no way they only have one spy on the whole goddamn yeah, no, world. Man. You know what I mean? They've got they've got a lot more than that. Oh sure. sure. Oh sure. Absolutely. But try 
asshole Eric says he created a bunch of ghost satellites to slow them down. <laughs> but at this point in satellite history, there were already thousands of satellites up there. It's not hard to cross-reference what is what and quickly, especially because Trav or Eric seems to have a supercomputer on a train that is able to create ghost <laughs> telemetry for 50 satellites <laughs> while doing all the bullshit that he's doing. Mm. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, like telemetry <laughs> at its basic is bouncing signals off of shit. You could backtrace that shit pretty fucking quickly. You know what I mean? You yeah. could all of a sudden, oh, hey, look, something's moving that we don't know is meant to be moving and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like that we do fund <laughs> billions of dollars worth of research in order to make sure that this shit doesn't happen, that satellites don't collide yeah. and that you know exactly where the fuck <laughs> your satellite is, but regardless. But, you know, at, at this point in the movie, dude, the smoking you're just, guy. You're just going to have to let all of the satellite weapon stuff go i mean it's <laughs> it's ridiculous bullshit but it adds a little entertainment value because it ups the stakes you know in under siege the original all they have is a couple cruise missiles or something that they're gonna right. launch people it's right. not that exciting but this they're gonna like blow up the whole eastern seaboard Dude, all right I mean, all right hang, <laughs> hang on hang on a second i, I just want to bring i want to give props where props are due okay all right. it's, uh -huh. it's not to this movie i want to give props <laughs> <laughs> I want to give props to Hunt for Red October, dude. Hunt for Red oh, October yeah. is one of the best movies of the of the early '90s, man. Yeah. I fuck or wait, no, that was like '87 actually. But like, I yeah. fucking love that movie, that, man. Like uh, Sean Connery is dope yeah. in that flick. Sean Alec Baldwin is dope yeah. in that flick. Sam Neill's a badass. Oh my god, I mean, dude! Wants and it's to move to Montana, fucking, but he can't. It's a fucking crazy guy. <laughs> fucking crazy guy with three nuclear weapons on a sub. Oh god, I love that. Yeah, yeah, no, dude. John, Mc, John McTiernan directed that movie. Like he did that. Oh, sure. He did that, and he did a uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, which are two of my favorite fucking like yeah. all time favorite fucking action pictures. And the original Die Hard. And the that original did that too. Oh, and man. he did Predator, bro. Like, yeah, think Predator. of that shit. Fuck, God man. damn, dude. Yeah, no, he's got him lined up, uh, dude. All right, so I saw a play in Seattle. It's called A Very Merry Die Hard Christmas, right? <laughs> And it's right. like this low budget play where they kind of reenact Die Hard, but as a kind of bedtime Christmas story. Dope. And it's fucking Dope. amazing because they had <laughs> like squirt guns and stuff instead of, or like little, you know, sucker dart guns right. instead of like real prop, prop guns. And, right. uh, and they were just running around like wild squirting people in the audience. They use executing yippee. members of the audience <laughs> <laughs> with squirt guns. They used Yippie Kaye, motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It comes. Out. I don't. Rem I don't remember the whole thing, classic. but yeah, classic. If you ever get a chance to see theater again after COVID goes away, right? I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing that play again if it ever happens. Oh, yeah. sure, man. It sounds. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Uh, yeah. But dude, he henchman comes into the train compartment with Seagal, and Seagal grabs the gun in his hand and makes him blow his own head off. But the dude, the dude who enters the train, only looks toward the instrument panel where nobody could possibly be, instead of looking into. <laughs> train compartment <laughs> where somebody actually could stand yeah. and i'm like dude like okay i know that steven seagal is like a fat fuck and maybe he can't move that quick but it's like jesus christ man this is just a simple little thing and it's like all done in close-up too so it's like very yeah. obvious that he's trying to look away from steven seagal it's fucking apparently horrible. it's the all the close-ups were steven seagal's directing like 
telling the director. Oh, sure. Absolutely. All I can the see stuff. That. And uh, yeah, the director said it was like a, a pretty miserable filming experience. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I don't believe that at all. I, telling I them what that. they were going to do and the lines he was going to deliver. Right. And, yeah. I um, can believe that. No problem, dude. I can believe that shit. <laughs> But, you know, the the Russian henchman who, you know, I mean, he just looks like a fucking Russian. I'm sorry. Mike Pence yeah, with Mike the morose Pence. look opens the compartment and finds the first dead henchman with his one eye and it falls out. <laughs> so Russian or Mike Pence touches his neck to see if he's dead. He's pretty obviously <laughs> dead. You know what I mean? He's not flopping around like that for his health. You know, he's just flopping out of it's, this fucking train it's compartment. Like just a weird fetish thing that he has with oh, man. death and dead, dead bodies body. and pain. <laughs> he's yeah, he just wanted to feel it, see if there's any <laughs> any life force like bleeding away. So he yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I got a real question here though, but why are all the yeah. henchmen, other than the young guy that got shot in the train compartment a second ago, all in their late forties and early fifties? Is it so so that it's more believable that Seagal could fight them, you know? <laughs> I'm just saying. But know, yeah. they're the experienced ones that have gotten out of the military and they've kind of, uh, you know, sold Been themselves. Disillusioned, yeah. Disillusioned. So, you know, sure. it takes a while. It takes a while to turn into a mercenary willing to kill a lot of people like that or <laughs> something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Seagal, Seagal gets into a gunfight on the side of the engine with fire coming from the top and the front of the car. <laughs> so Seagal opens the service hatch doors to hide behind, and only now do the 9mm bullets don't pierce the hull. <laughs> Before, the henchman could shoot clear through the car. Seems kind of convenient. But, you know, and on, on top of the fact that, like, he can't return fire in two different directions while being pinned down from an elevated position and somehow still survive this shit. You know what I mean? But whatever. But he's Steven Seagal. He can survive in it. He's a fucking Navy SEAL. He's <laughs> he's the best of the best. He's trained the best. I mean, sure, fuck, dude. sure, sure. All right. So <laughs> here's here's a better question. Why are all these henchmen wearing thick winter parkas when they're like fucking in the train car? Like every single one of them mm. has this weird winter parka on. Huh, yeah. I mean, I think it's supposed to take place like fall ish in Colorado. I mean, so it's not that goddamn cold. cold, dude. I mean, in the rock and you're going like 50 miles an hour on a train that's cold man I went, well, i'm glad i'm glad that they shit. thought ahead that way they don't get you know a common cold or the flu yeah. you know but dude i want to talk about the sniper girl for a second yeah the sniper girl gets on the back of the train and aims as the train is moving around a bend but the shot showing her view of the scope is exactly <laughs> the same as the medium shot of him exiting <laughs> 10 seconds later from less than 10 feet away yeah. that is used in the movie. And when Seagal reacts to being shot, dude, this is just cheap filmmaking. And that's not how scopes yeah. work. Like this, this is a number really one beef funny. that I have with films, dude. Like Movies, period. Yeah. Is that every goddamn movie doesn't know how a fucking scope works. Like, yeah. Scope or binoculars. It's like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Wow. That's a pretty good goddamn binocular set. Right. Where right. You're a mile away and it's 300 like, X yeah. magnification. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's no parallax and like, there's no yeah. problems with your eyes adjusting. Yeah. Fucking incredible. Yeah. No but atmospheric they, shimmer. Nothing. No, yeah. It's fine. Nothing. It's fine. 
<laughs> what do they call that? They it's atmospheric shimmer is called like tele or uh, eye kinesis or something like that. It's like the it's your eyeballs actually the natural vibration that's in your eye. It's like the same thing when you look at like lights that are far away in the middle of the night and it looks like they're shimmering. It's because oh. your eyeballs are vibrating just on their like own. And no, no, no. It's, I mean the there's you're looking. I mean if you're looking at something really far away, you're looking through a lot of air. Yeah, and it's all moving around, and so. It's it acts like its own kind of lens and I, I forget what that phenomenon's called, but I just call it shimmer. I, don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I just wanted to see if we were effect. talking about the same thing. Yeah. But yeah. dude, all right. So <laughs> <laughs> they see they see blood on some sort of connecting cables, but no body, and they say that they got him because they're fucking idiots. Uh -huh. Like since when do you just see a little bit of blood and they're like, oh yeah, he's dead. That's for sure. You know, like this is a, like look back on the tracks of the pair of binoculars <laughs> from the caboose right? to make sure that there's some chewed up body. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then all oh, wait, we had to have it. They had the Cape Fear moment of him hanging under the fucking train. <laughs> I mean, he may as well have said Cape Fear, Cape Fear, like in fucking Rick and Morty with the fucking girl from the Titanic. <laughs> so good oh dude i love that scene where they like they hit the speed bump and she gets run over <laughs> fucking fantastic if you're not watching rick and morty by the uh, way like you're fucking up man yeah. that's one of the best shows on television it's one of the best shows ever man for sure I fucking yeah. love that show cut to a briefing of the admiral showing who each of the henchmen are and of course the fucking mike pence looking guy is a soldier of fortune which is such right. a trope of 90s action movies <laughs> Why would they waste time briefing the Admiral and how would they have this info if they still don't know where the goddamn bad guy is? You know what I mean? Like, how do they know who all these henchmen are? I'm, I'm being serious. Like, what fucking story point told me that they would have any of this information where they still they talk don't know about... who the goddamn train is? Will they say... Here's the story point. They're talking about uh, the Miles, the, the super genius evil guy. And so they're like, Miles, one of his known associates, was this bad motherfucker right here. And Why would an electrical they, engineer know that guy? I'm just curious. I don't know. But that's what they said. They said <laughs> it was one of his known associates. And so, he just happened to be a you, soldier. Of fuck you. Fuck they, you. They <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Mike Pence is trying to crack the Newton and he says... Gigabyte of RAM should do the trick. For what, Paul? Processing code? It doesn't take that much RAM to compile, bro. Like, and all he's trying to do is find Seagal's passcode. He's not trying to do anything crazy with the fucking Newton. Like, yeah, he's literally yeah. just trying to open up the passcode. And I'm like, wow, a gigabyte. This is some techno speak <laughs> bullshit, dude. But Seagal, Seagal isn't very good about barrel control throughout this whole movie, dude. If you watch any of the scenes where he's standing next to Morris Chestnut, he is constantly pointing the gun directly at his head. <laughs> Even though he doesn't have his finger on the trigger, he's constantly using the gun to like point at shit and he's like waving it past Morris Chestnut and Morris Chestnut doesn't say shit. I'm like, okay. <laughs> You know, maybe this is a broad generalization, but like if a white guy is pointing a gun at me, as a <laughs> like I'm going to duck, motherfucker, and I'm going to say something about that. You know what I mean? But dude, dude, no, my safety is this trigger finger right here. All right. I don't need, that. I don't that need none of that chicken shit. <laughs> it's that line from Black Hawk Down, like this is my safety, yeah. sir. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... 
uh dude mike pence orders a full sense search of the train and when they cut in on his close-up when he says right now literally the whole left side of his head is green from the kickback of the green screen because they're not seeing the green screen in that exact moment but i'm serious go yeah. back and look yeah. at it dude it's bright green I'm like really really bad work here, but you know Seagal and Morris Chestnut crawl out of the electrical service hatch to another service hatch. Wait, it wait, just wait, so wait, happens no. to be big enough. Hold on. Before, before he orders the search of the train, he has the best line in the movie. And he's like, did you see a body? And the, the henchman is like, no, I assumed. And he's like, you Assumption mother. is the, mo- the is mother the- of all. <laughs> <laughs> mother of all fuck-ups. I love it. And it's good. <laughs> it's great. Uh, yeah. yeah, but then the guy who says it makes an assumption later, which later fucking sense. But and then he gets called the fact, out. Yeah, he gets called out. Great. But come on, all right, whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> move on here. But, classic, you know, classic, great the, screenwriting. Fuck off. <laughs> But the henchmen see Seagal's name on the manifest. I got a real question here. Uh They look in the computer and they see Seagal's name on the manifest. But instead of taking that for a confirmation that he is on the train, they print out said manifest (laughs) on their dot matrix printer they brought along for reasons. Why the fuck would they need a dot matrix printer for this mission? But... Why the fuck would they need Sometimes to print, you print the manifest? Shit. <laughs> Why the fuck would they need to print the manifest with hundreds of names? And what the fuck are they going to do with this info? They know he's on the train. Go from car to car, from passenger to passenger, and verify everybody's <laughs> uh, name. Fuck. Well, off, they're trying to man. find. Uh, they're trying to find a hostage that's related to him, right? Yeah, I get that. Thing. And oh, just guess what, man? All of a sudden, you know, it just so happens that Catherine Heigl happens to have her dad's navy cross around her neck. <laughs> Hanging out of her fucking shirt. I'm like, dude, seriously. But, you know, Seagal being a former Navy SEAL decides the best contact he has outside to send his urgent message is his chef friend. Not some contact he used to have with the SEALs or DOT or the Transportation and Safety Bureau or, I don't know, the fucking cops, you know? like, Right. He sends it to a chef. Like, chef. what the yeah. fuck? But Maybe he knows that guy's going to look at a fax machine. All right. I got a real question here. Like, okay, so Mike Pence gets pepper sprayed in the face and he says this line that, oh, pepper spray sold to civilians just clears the sinuses. I'm like, okay, pepper spray has like a million or two million on the Scoville scale. I'm like, okay, so is this guy like a massive rapist that he's constantly known for like getting sprayed? That's what it's implied by this whole thing. He's like, He'll rape anyone, doesn't matter. Man, woman, I think that is the challenge. <laughs> Animal, and I think yeah. at the end, he really wants to rape Steven Seagal. And that's why he gets so excited. And that's Dude, why he that, challenges that him whole to a knife, knife fight. fight. Yeah, that's so <laughs> phallic, man. Like, for real. We'll get to that in a second. But Seagal... <laughs> Seagal hot wires whose pager whose pager is this that he hot wires Uh, before he bombs the place maybe maybe he's got a pager i I don't know yeah all of a sudden it's convenient that he has a page no 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 the the porter guy finds it it's in the inventory of thing he finds in in the uh all right so maybe it's been too long carriage yeah. Maybe it's been too long since I've used a pager, but I remember my dad had one. I don't know if there's a way that you can just easily pay, like look up the pager number of a pager from the actual pager. I don't yeah, remember that. I don't think I've ever used a pager. <laughs> 
my dad my dad had two pagers when he worked at intel dude one of them was like the one that steven seagal had with like three buttons you know yeah and the other one the other one was one of those dope ones that you could send text messages back to people oh nice nice. yeah it had like the full qwerty keyboard on the front of it it was it was fucking dope my dad also had one of those big ass motorella masonry brick phones (laughs) yeah Pretty dope. Uh, Besides the fact, I know this train stops in this movie within 10 seconds of the brake being pulled. But, you know, again, it takes a full mile or two for a train that weighs well over a couple million tons to stop when it's fully loaded. You know what I mean? Like, it fucking drives uh, you nuts. It's a passenger train, though. I I don't know. I don't know how long it takes. But the passenger trains are a lot lighter. All right, so and smaller I, than I like did a freight I, train. I did some math when I was on the subway oh. like a few months ago, yeah. right? And like each train car of a New York City subway train weighs 150,000 pounds. Like there's a fucking tear value on the wall yeah. telling you oh. what that train car weighs. <laughs> and each train is nine cars long, not mentioning the engine at the front, which has the electrical motors in it. Yeah. You know, the main electrical system in order to pull the fucking thing. But I'm like. Like you're at least a million pounds. You know what I mean? At least <laughs> yeah, a million pounds. Sure. And like trying to stop a million, at least a million pounds yeah. with everybody on it. That's an empty train. Yeah. Is uh, yeah well, that's... It's a lot of weight, man. That's what I'm yeah. trying to say. I mean, especially since this is like the mid nineties when being fat, especially if you're a white guy, <laughs> was like a thing, you know, like everybody yeah. was fat in the mid nineties. It's because they had the McRib out, dude. No, yeah. The McRib. And, and you could supersize it. All of that, yeah. Dude, okay, you know what? I just want to take a quick aside here for a second. Like, <laughs> I actually I actually miss the super size, okay? Because, like, McDonald's <laughs> back in the day, their burgers were actually a pretty decent size. They're not, like, the little ho- hockey pucks that they are now. And, like, the super size, when you got the super size fries, that was, like, six potatoes worth of fries. <laughs> <laughs> fucking nuts dude i love that shit when i was in high yeah. school man i could eat for like four dollars and i had a ton of food for four dollars but yeah. besides the fact so <laughs> you know seagal seagal is trying to climb the cliff but guess what these cowboy boots don't work too well do they steven <laughs> why the fuck does he wear cowboy boots all the time dude it's one of the main things about steven seagal that drives me insane man this is like personal this- style yeah. He does fucking karate and fucking cowboy boots. Like, I want to know seriously what the hell this is about. But you know, the, I mean, the so henchman- does Chuck Norris. Maybe we're gonna have to watch Chuck Norris movie. Uh, oh, dude, <laughs> fucking let's watch Delta Force if we're gonna watch Delta any of Force, them. Like, yeah, his fucking Rambo knockoff. I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> That's a bad yeah. one. I don't. I don't even remember. Oh, dude, we should do a Sylvester Stallone movie like Cobra from oh, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but besides the fact i'm going to move on for a second because these henchmen can't seem to hit morris chestnut from 30 feet away with automatic weapons like he's running along yeah. and they are fucking fi- like six of them are firing at him with automatic weapons and they can't hit shit but whatever yeah. trained killers yeah but yeah. they say they say don't shoot the porter because he might have the cd right but i'm like okay but the cd isn't in front of his face so shoot him in the face boom problem solved <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good idea no <laughs> never thought about it. but steven seagal <laughs> does think of that later in the movie uh you know what at the end man when when uh, the the crazy crazy guy he has he's somehow networked his laptop 
with the cell phone attached oh, right, to it right, as right, a modem yeah. to control <laughs> right. the satellite, even though right. they're in dark territory where there's not supposed to be any reception. Signal, but, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but yeah, Steven Seagal just looks at him and guy's like you can't stop me i've got my ghost satellites running on this computer you can't possibly hack into this and steven skull's like oh, you mean there's no way to turn it off and he just shoots him right through the laptop and he just all right so I'm, I'm not gonna lie i actually that's, like that line dude. that line's pretty good yeah he just shoots him through the fucking laptop that's but- like a indiana jones-esque type moment where he just fucking shoots the guy right, and right. pulls out his sword yeah. <laughs> dude i I I have to say I skipped over it earlier, but like this entire system, you know, we mentioned runs off of a CD, and it just so happens that the CD tray is closest to the dumb waiter that the, <laughs> the fucking Morris Chestnut comes out of, and I'm like, oh wow, I don't know, man. Like maybe instead of storing it on a CD, maybe store it on the fucking hard drive of the fucking computer that you're gonna fucking use. Like why would it be on a CD? That's what I'm confused by. It's just a, like feature CD technology. Yeah, I think that's why. So it was easily removable and it could be part of the plot. You know, <laughs> uh, you know I, I want to bring drive, this up. You can't just pull a hard drive out of the computer, right? You know? <laughs> right. Okay, so real, real quick story about me growing up as a kid is that AOL Online used to send out discs all the time, right? You know, trying to get people to like fucking subscribe, right? And back in the day, like pre-95, it was all three and a half inch floppy disks, right? They always sent out the three and a half inch floppy. And I had, I've been used to that because the first computer that I ever had when I was a kid was an MS-DOS based machine where it was all from right. the C prompt, you know, like everything yeah. I had to do from the C prompt. And uh, when my dad, I remember that the first time that we got a CD in the mail, I, I'm not joking here, dude. I had literally never seen a CD in in my life i knew that they were out there but i hadn't seen one in yeah. real life so i was like amazed by it because it's fucking mirror shine and it's got like yeah. that weird rainbow tip they look to awesome it. right they look awesome but my dad we're sitting i must have been like i don't know six seven something like that and me and my brother are sitting at the kitchen table in the kitchen in our old house and my dad's like palming the cd and he's just like oh yeah this is really cool and my brother and i are like oh yeah yeah i want to see it i want to see it like can i see it and my dad fucking punches this thing and it shatters <laughs> right in front of us <laughs> just, just as a like fuck just you random. to me and my brother <laughs> wow <laughs> you know at the this moment, nice toy i got for you for christmas you know what i'm gonna set this on you. fire <laughs> But at the time, I was like so mortified that my dad didn't. I was like, I was crying and my brother was crying. But like in Um, retrospect, dude, like being the 33-year-old man that I am now, I'm like, that was pretty fucking funny. funny. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I can appreciate Uh, my dad the older that I get. But anyway, going back to this, it's a good thing that the henchmen have grappling gear, dude, because like it just so happens that they have a full belay system, the lines, the senders, harnesses, everything just in case. Why the fuck do they have this on the train? They're hijacking a train. Why the fuck would they need a senders? Besides the fact, Henchman says after he finds the CD on the tracks, chance favors the prepared mind. This is Mike Pence saying this. Chance favors the prepared mind. Wouldn't a prepared mind think to have a second CD with them, you know, just in case? (laughs) Better yet, fuck the CD and store it on the hard drive of the computer. Like I said, that way the computer is the only thing that would be the weak link. They'd have to destroy that in order for that to happen. But, oh, guess what? You know, like, Eric has the backup laptop. But, oh, hey, he could have the backup. 
backup codes on the laptop. And then there's no bullshit about the CD. Like, what the fuck is this? They had to be able to interrupt it to get him on the cliff because they (laughs) needed to get Seagal off the train so he could do his truck launching sequence. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually pretty cool. They they launched this truck over... over the train and into a river it's a pretty cool like uh kind of dude truck think about train. it man this is <laughs> this is 95 and they have gmc trucks doing this shit and then 97 they got gmc trucks doing dante's peak <laughs> right holy right. fuck man yeah. that's some dope shit yeah but it's a good thing the belay lines are tied to the train it's so convenient that seagal <laughs> doesn't have to use his non-existent yeah. upper body strength in order to climb <laughs> But it's also a good thing that the henchman takes just long enough to shoot the belay line off of the train <laughs> that Seagal is hanging on in just enough time in order for him to grab the edge. Dude, I got a real question here. This I know I know the screenwriting reason why this happens, but why do henchmen always have a ticking clock to count down their major event? Why don't they just detonate whatever the fuck it is that they have? It's not yeah. like they couldn't have whipped out the whole white or wiped out the whole White House by now or any number of military targets in that area prior to the reactor under the Pentagon. Like, dude, they're, they're <laughs> at, their whole thing is like, we're going to blow up the fucking reactor under the Pentagon. But they could have blown up the White House by now in order to make it known that they're going to do this shit and they're going to wipe out the yeah. entire eastern seaboard. They could have fucking hit congress you know like they could have hit the neighboring community around the fucking white house they could have blown up dude they could have blown up the washington memorial i'm trying to think of an action movie that doesn't have a countdown at the end that's my point why the fuck does this always happen i can't actually think of it and it just so happens that it's long (laughs) enough for the fucking hero in order to do something about it i fucking hate that shit man like my mind is drawing a blank there's got to be a non non timed action all right movie, so but. i i i'm not gonna try to pump it up because you know that i'm a huge christopher nolan fanboy but right. like the dark knight turns this whole idea on its head and that the joker sets a timer that's too short for batman to get there you know what i mean and right. like by the time the batman gets there he either way he has to see the devastation you know i'm yeah. like i thought that that's like an unbelievably powerful piece of like screenwriting that christopher nolan did because that scene dude when he realizes that it's not rachel and he fucking like blows up Harvey Dent and lights him on fire. Yeah. That shit literally to this day <laughs> still sends goosebumps up my spine, dude. That is yeah. great screenwriting. Nah, I don't give awesome. a fuck what anybody says about Christopher Nolan because everybody's like, I'm this Christopher <laughs> Nolan fanboy, like hate train recently and it pisses me off, including Rupert Sanchez, who we had as our guest speaker <laughs> for fucking Avatar. <laughs> fuck you, Rupert. Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna move on here first. <laughs> but dude, Kurtwood. Any, Kurt anybody Wood, else interested in uh, being a guest on this uh, podcast? So I can here? trash you a few episodes later. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, Kurtwood. Kurtwood is informed that they have only one Pegasus rocket left. And I'm like, because the military is in the business of bean counting now? Like, the U.S. has fucking acres of weapons stored (laughs) all over the U.S. and the world, but they only have three Pegasus rockets? Like, that seems kind of convenient, but whatever. No, you can't can't have everything, Gabe. It's it's finite. But... (laughs) 
Chef, I, I, I want to ask you this question because this is uh -huh. what I didn't understand is that the chef calls the admiral. How the fuck did he get the number to this top secret war room? And, you know, oh, uh, you could say that well, maybe I mean, Steven Seagal wrote the number in the fucking like facts. But it's like, right. how did Seagal know that number of the fucking <laughs> war room? Like, how the fuck does this happen? He's got he's got the phone phone number of some secretary who can hook you up with anyone. All you have to do <laughs> is drop a name right. and like some code word. If you drop the name, then they're like, "Oh shit, this shit yeah. just got real" or something. Casey like that. Casey Ryback <laughs> Donkey Punch, and they send you straight to the. <laughs> Steven Skull would be like the king of the Donkey Punch. I imagine. I don't know. I he, guarantee you that he's donkey punched somebody, dude. I guarantee uh, just, that. Uh, okay. <laughs> and this is a satire show, by the way. No need satire, to, uh, for, yes, satire. I'm sorry. Not, yeah. not, no, no, no need for a libel lawsuit here. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? No, fuck you, Steven Seagal. You're a piece of shit. But uh, dude, yeah, everyone can agree on that. That is a proven fact. But you know, it's never been proven in court law or anything. It's all hearsay. So <laughs> sure, but dude, <laughs> but dude, one one of the henchmen comes up and sees Morris Chestnut hanging out in one of the fucking compartments, right? And he says, "Drop the gun," rather than just shooting him. Why would right. he not just shoot him? They don't need him. Yeah. He doesn't have the CD anymore. And then he starts monologuing before <laughs> saying he's going to kill him and gives him a choice on why he wants to yeah. die. Why not just shoot him? It's a fucking stupid scene <laughs> just to have Steven Seagal come up. Like that's the only reason that that scene exists. It's not actually tied to any like real fact of these entries. <laughs> They seem pretty trigger happy at the beginning, but then all of a sudden now he decides to go on this fucking soliloquy in order to talk about all of his fucking whatever. Uh, but besides fact, <clears throat> it's they had to do it because it's an action movie and right, right. you know, the, the, they, they the, couldn't the have figured it out any other way speech that allows the good guy. It's <laughs> not even the main bad guy though, man. Like that's the fucking like henchman off to the side. It's not even the main bad guy. Well, I think his well, like the the henchman's racism that comes out during his little speech. Right, right. Yeah, uh, it makes his death more satisfying, right? You know, the crunch of the neck. I don't even remember how he died. Oh, wait, yeah. It's Steven, Steven Seagal, Seagal like, cracks bent. his head back. Yeah, he cracks right. his head back to the snap. That's pretty cool. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But All right. So <laughs> here's another question. <laughs> Morris Chestnut, they get on the other side of the tracks when they're in dark territory where they're close to the fucking like abandoned mine or whatever. Right. And he's just like, he doesn't know where those tracks lead. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, if he takes so much pride in his job and he knows that where the dark territory is, wouldn't he know where these other tracks lead? See, like a pretty mm -hmm. simple thing well, i mean he knows but... that yeah they they figure it out because they look up at the the train schedule thing and they figure out that they're going to get into the collision with the freight train that's full of gasoline right. which is pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> i mean they could have packed so, anything it could have been like a freight train full of cows or something like that but no oh dude i'm gonna love that so much more <laughs> oh my god but, it's full Fuck of gasoline. It. I mean, that's piles yeah. of cow chunks <laughs> flying, dude. That yeah. would have been pretty dope. But that's not to say that I am okay with animal cruelty. I'm just saying <laughs> fake cow chunks flying yeah. through the air. No, I mean, that's that's <laughs> entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 13 minutes to go, and just now they decided to call the president in order to tell him, hey. <laughs> By the way, they're going to blow up all the eastern seaboard. There's this situation. I mean, just, just the conversation necessary in order to, like, <laughs> issue him that fucking concern is going to be, like, five of those 13 minutes. Okay. You, so, uh, Mr. Telling... President... <laughs> 
we uh we we neglected to mention this to you but that that super secret earthquake weapon we kind of lost track of that and this henchman has it <laughs> and it's only got 13 minutes until he's gonna blow up the pentagon and like destroy most of the eastern seaboard how the fuck did that happen oh well let me explain like you know it kind of <laughs> fell out like five minutes five minutes of this conversation now they only have eight minutes to get him into his bunker you know what i mean like i don't know how far away the president's bunker is but like dude eight minutes is not a lot of time in order to get him underground you know what i mean but regardless all this planning and the terrorists (laughs) only exit strategy is a helo with a fucking ladder or rollout ladder that's their exit strategy but you know I want to talk about I want to talk about the hack attack here for a second, oh, okay? Like oh. the the hack attack for me is when the sniper girl runs up in order to try to jump on the ladder, right? If you look, it's very obvious that there's this wire on her back during that scene that helps lift her up when she jumps in order to get to the ladder. It's like fucking way <laughs> out there. It's clearly lit. I'm like, okay, yeah, like I know the visual effects in this movie are for shit, but like they didn't even do any. They didn't even try to do any cleanup on that like it's fucking ridiculous <laughs> nice nice work asshole sure why not sure. Fuck it. <laughs> that's my excuse for this movie so let, let's talk about uh, the homoerotic knife scene for oh, a second okay yeah. because Seagal empties his gun by pulling the slide back to eject the shell he makes like this big thing about right. like pulling the slide back and he ejects the shell but he doesn't empty the clip out of the gun so the pistol still has a fucking round in it but the Russian still comes back to him in order to like get his rocks off fighting with Seagal. <laughs> I hate I hate these mono a mono fights, man. Like they're so fucking stupid. And like yeah, it's, it's pretty it, bad. This yeah. fight is really goddamn stupid. They're fighting like they have swords. There's actually a moment where they collide their fucking blades, and there's a sound oh. effect that sounds like a sword colliding. And it's like, oh god. I, I, I think my favorite part of the fight though is where they like slowly pull their blades out and the music is like swelling up, and you know, it's like they're showing each other's, you know, their dicks off to each their other, dicks. you know. It's like, <laughs> all gleaming like, that's that's why you heard the swell man that's why you heard the swell you notice did you notice that mike pence's did you notice that mike's Pen- mike pence's is longer but steven yeah. seagal's is fatter he's got more girth <laughs> yeah girth <laughs> But yeah. they get into this fight, and my my worst hated moment of this fight is when Steven Seagal slaps the fucking knife out of his hand with both hands. He like slaps the side of his hands like with a clap, and the knife goes like flying. And I'm like, is that is that a real karate move? <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't know. No. This is the dumbest fuck moment of this movie for me, oh, bro. Because like the there's there's this moment where they do the cuts back and forth between the two guys, and like Steven. Mm-hmm. Seagal keeps doing this. <laughs> 50, yeah. 50 fucking hand move like bullshit. Wa- waving his arms around. Yeah. Oh my uh, God. I I can't stand it, man. Like this is the point <laughs> in the movie where I was just laughing my ass off because <laughs> They do it like two or three times too. It's not just like a single cutback. They cut back to him at least three or four <laughs> times of him doing this like multiple hand move thing. Yeah. And Mike Pence the wave. is like, 
looking confused like he's like a fucking cat with a toy in front of his face he's like oh i don't, I don't know <laughs> it's so stupid so ah, that's a good moment. side side note here in in the film industry as a dolly grip right like sometimes you have to time your move to an actor moving and the way that they teach you how to do this if it's like an action scene or a dance sequence or even just somebody walking is that people always lead with either their hips or their shoulders and so all you have to do is look at their hips or their shoulders figure out which one of it is that they lead with as an actor and when you see the hip shift or the shoulder shift then you move because you know they're gonna move and i'm like surely a fucking well-trained soldier of fortune would know that people lead with either their hips or their fucking shoulders and he would know instead of looking at steven seagal's hands doing this <laughs> to look at his shoulders or his fucking hips or his feet you know what i mean like this is the stupidest part of this movie for me on top of the fucking train blowing up and him outrunning the explosion but Trying to think oh, of what my God. my top favorite stupid moment of the movie is. Uh, I think it's when Steven Seagal, like when the terrorists are first taking over the train and he's in the kitchen and uh, he's surrounded with, by a bunch of chefs and he like beats this one guy up and like kicks him off the train and closes the door and then they just like hose down that car right. with bullets and kill everyone else. And Steven right. Seagal's like, oops. <laughs> Maybe should have thought about all those people I just got killed, but you know, right? It's their fault for being the terrorists, not my fault for instigating right. something in a dangerous situation. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty goddamn stupid. Yeah, but dude, seriously, the laptop line is pretty good. Like Seagal outrunning the train and the car falling is pretty goddamn funny. Not sure how <laughs> physics work here, but re- regardless, <laughs> but. And of course, of course, dude, evil Eric is somehow alive <laughs> during the last moment. Yeah. But it's but, a great last moments, dude. Like, no, it's not. What yeah. the fuck are you talking about? Like so, evil Eric, he's like climbing on the ladder as he's like burning alive. And he like manages to get his he gets his claws up on like the, the doorway of the helicopter and then, the and then Steven Square just like looks at him and slams the door closed and his fingers get cut off and he just <laughs> falls burning into this explosion from like 400 feet in the air. That's pretty cool death. I mean, <laughs> I mean I've seen I've seen worse. I'll give you that. But but Seagal, Seagal, he gets on the radio and he identifies the tail number of the chopper oh, that they're in. Yeah. How? when and how did he get this info just notice and it just so it just so happens that this radio can reach the top (laughs) secret war room and that he knows what frequency they're riding on dude like fuck you man it's uh yeah it's good uh it's good craft aren't these aren't these dicks like back in washington with the fucking like satellite no they're they're in colorado they're it's implied that they're in uh whatever it's called denver the the uh, the norad like giant bunker thing but they call it like napard or something you know they don't call it norad norad's in colorado yeah yeah it's just uh kind of that was in nevada no it's in just west of colorado springs huh I don't think yeah. I 
I don't think I got that. All right, whatever. But, you know, Steven, Steven Seagal is standing there in his Navy whites in front of uh, Catherine Heigl's dad's grave, right? But I'm like, okay. So if he's a Navy SEAL, right? The number one thing that Navy SEALs are supposed to do when they're wearing their Navy whites is wear their goddamn hat. But this motherfucker's standing there with his <laughs> fucking helmet hair. Like, it's no big deal. And I'm like, okay. You know, like, who the fuck was the military consultant? <laughs> Like, okay, so Dale Dye is in this movie, okay? And Dale Dye, if you don't know who he is, on top of being an actor, he's a military consultant. His most famous movie that he consulted on was Saving Private Ryan, bro. <laughs> you know, like, this guy knows what the fuck he's talking about when it comes to military shit and somehow this just slips past that oh you know what Seagal needs to like feature that quaff that he's got up there it's going to turn into a Trump haircut when he's in his 60s but you know we just need him to show off that hair while he still has it this is a balding fat motherfucker like he could put this fucking hat on especially when he's standing in front of the grave of a fallen comrade he for sure as shit would have that fucking cap on and he'd take it off when he went to salute the motherfucker near the end of the movie but he does and salute him he just stands there without his fucking hat totally disrespect he may as well have his fucking dick out standing there pissing on this guy's grave but whatever you know it, it doesn't matter you know because a shitty song a shitty song fades up with twangy guitars as we crane out and we roll credits the the whole end sequence is the train crashes is goddamn unintelligible bro like there's so many cuts and models flying around that i'm just like i don't know what the fuck happening but on top of that the song that they roll over the credits has the words quote as the train heads home end quote <laughs> fuck <funny>. you <laughs> to everybody involved uh, it's such well, a bad a song one. dude oh man all right, so Paul, do you have any other things in order to defend about this movie? Because I got to go into my sandwich beef. Uh, mm, I can't, uh, can't think of anything. No. It's, so the uh, only reason that you like this movie is because of the crunching. Is that the only reason you like this movie? I think it. Uh, I mean, it's got some good one-liners. Something about the the zaniness and the stupidity of the plot amuses me i like train <laughs> movies for whatever reason give me uh, did you like unstoppable uh, the uh the denzel washington chris pine thing? Uh, i don't think i've seen that one actually uh-huh. eh, it's interesting you should check that out see what you think yeah but have you seen train to busan dude yes that movie's bad oh dude yeah. badass movie yeah. man snow see train to busan if you haven't snow seen piercer it, and you need to see silver streak god damn it gabe just <laughs> fucking see. watch it right. fucking watch bitch. go see that movie gene wilder richard pryor it's a classic <laughs> all right all right fine i'll watch that this week all right so yeah. yo all right so i want to talk about my sandwich beef for the week okay yeah <laughs> I want to talk about Randolph Beer in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, okay? <laughs> Any Anyone who knows me knows that I don't like Williamsburg. It's not because I have a problem with one particular thing in Williamsburg. It's more that it represents the reprehensible nature of gentrification. It's it's the in the beginning of the millennium, dude. No one would be caught dead in Williamsburg. It was a dangerous neighborhood full of trash, crime, sex workers, drugs, and violence. In fact, the seatbelt law governing taxis was implemented because of the robbery that were taking place in Williamsburg <laughs> during yeah. the turn of the millennium. A thief would catch a, 
a cab in Midtown and asked to be taken over the Williamsburg Bridge into Brooklyn. Ten minutes later, the cab landed at the address shortly after the bridge, and the thief would use the seatbelt of the cabbie in order to strangle him or her in order to steal their cash from the cab. This was before plexiglass shields were in place. Yeah, good idea. Because of, because of the increase in robberies and assaults in the cabbies, New York passed a law that limited seatbelt usage until plexiglass shields could be installed in every cab in New York. To this day, that law still exists. You can ride a cab without a seatbelt, without any grief from the cabbie. In some cabs, they don't even have seatbelts in the back seat. But all that being said, around 2006... Real estate scumbags started realizing the view from Williamsburg was the beautiful Manhattan skyline. They bought a bunch of black and brown residents and priced them out. They just bought them all off, told them to fuck off. And the people that called Williamsburg their home for decades had to fuck off. And in 2012, Randolph Beer opened its location in Williamsburg. One day, one day, I was doing a little movie called Someone Great for Netflix and wanted a beer and a burger for lunch. This spot was sufficiently away from set as to prevent the producers from being present at the bar so i could drink with impunity and nobody would bitch me <laughs> but they they offered a, a menu and some a full menu and it seemed interesting me and a few friends wandered over and i ordered a cheeseburger with bacon as anyone who knows me i like my meat rare i should have known given the hipster flair on the walls the arcade games no menu prices and the beer atm Uh-oh. which beer is a credit ATM. card a credit <laughs> card based link tap system that you can go up to the tap and yeah. tap this card and it charges you by the fucking ounce right, that right. this place was not what I would enjoy. But a few minutes later, my burger shows up. Not only is the patty still ice cold, I'm talking ice crystals in the center of the ground beef. The uh, bacon was rare as well. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking fat is still white rare. Like yeah. just out of the package, white mm. fat on the fucking bacon. What you asked for? It again? took I didn't see it when I when I got it. It looked like it was cooked. So I pick it up and I bite into it, not knowing, and I spit the meat back on the plate. Blood in my mouth and ice cold teeth, right? So I told the waiter and I and he gave me a very upset look when I told him this and he quipped, You ordered it rare. And I replied without thinking, that doesn't mean the fucking bacon is supposed to be too. He grabbed my food and he stormed in the kitchen. I yelled at him as he was walking away. Don't worry about replacing it. I'm not hungry anymore. I'm just gonna have a liquid lunch because I knew that this guy was going to fucking spit in my burger. Right, I wasn't right. about to do that. <laughs> so 45 minutes later and $94 worth of beer, which God is damn. one beer, one beer per person, Paul. That's all we had. It was $94 because yep. they charged by the fucking ounce. I walk out. That was three years ago and I'll never <laughs> go back to Randolph beer. Not only did you fuck up a common meat temperature of rare, you tried to give me trichinosis with raw pork. <laughs> Hired a waiter with a shitty attitude and you overcharge for beer readily available in the rest of Brooklyn. But no, you kitschy motherfuckers <laughs> just had to be special and pander to the lowest common denominator of hipster Instagram influencer scum that has taken over Williamsburg. <laughs> 26% of New York City is black, but Williamsburg, 2.8% black. It's 66.5% white. This, of course, isn't directly Randolph's fault, but you are indicative <laughs> of the problem. And that is the black people are actively being driven from up and coming areas and <clears throat> fucking crown heights. All that being said, Randolph, learn how to cook a fucking burger, you fucking hack piece of shit. <laughs> That is uh, my sandwich beef for uh, the week. There you go. Okay. Shit.
it's problems with this uh splice you know what, man? so what i don't oh, know what's what's worse like expensive undercooked burgers or being choked while you're in a cab i mean i don't know <laughs> one sounds like an improvement over another i i mean this of course i'm a white person saying this but you know right right uh, so you'd be okay going to 66.5 percent <laughs> white neighborhood the two well i'm just saying i'd rather have an undercooked expensive burger than be choked in the cab yeah you know i mean okay yeah. so <laughs> All right, quick, quick, quick note about uh, quick note about gentrification before I'm deemed like racist against white people. Okay, so here's the thing: I don't have a problem about white people moving into my neighborhood. The problem is that white people that move into neighborhoods that are less affluent tend to go to stores that are outside of the neighborhood in order to buy their groceries, their fucking yeah. beer, all that shit that was in their previous neighborhood. They go out of the fucking neighborhood and spend the money outside of the neighborhood. So the neighborhood that you moved into that was counting on all that money that used to be there by the people that used to live there before yeah. you were there no longer has that money. So they close and inevitably there's an opening and somebody opens a fucking juice shop <laughs> like the goddamn fucking sandwich shop in Spanish yeah. Harlem that I talked about a few episodes ago <laughs> and like they open shit that's going to be more viable for the people that have moved into the neighborhood right, whether it's yeah. coffee or juice or whatever and it drives out the small businesses that are owned by local people. That's the basis of gentrification yeah. is economic fucking repression and that's the problem okay so like if you are white and you are looking to move into a poor neighborhood in new york especially like crown heights or brownsville shop at the local stores motherfucker i don't care if they don't have the kombucha that you want go to that <laughs> one store that has the kombucha but buy everything else, your fruits and veggies that you can get literally fucking anywhere at the local store. Support local business. That way these places don't go bankrupt. That way there's still some sort of, I don't know, ethnic diversity in your fucking neighborhood. That way there's not a less percentage of black people in Williamsburg than there is in almost any other goddamn town in all of America. <laughs> you know what? Seriously. Average yeah. percentage in the United States is 12.5% black, and Williamsburg is 2.8% black. So you get yeah, my point. Yeah. I'm not racist toward white people. I'm telling you. Paul is white, if you don't know, okay? So, like... <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to say, like, that's my problem, okay? Yeah, like, no. support your local businesses, you dumb motherfuckers. Moving on. <laughs> All right, so, Paul, <laughs> rap, rap, wrapping this up, dude. Like, yeah. I fucking hate Steven Seagal. If you ever suggest that we watch another <laughs> Steven Seagal movie... I will fucking uh, rage quit this whole goddamn enterprise <laughs> because I fucking hate Steven Seagal. I, I picked this one because it's one of the two movies that I like of his that this one and under siege. Uh, and so, you know, that's it. I, I don't think I've ever actually been able to finish watching another Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> I've tried several, but yeah, can't really, can't really handle it outside of these, these two under siege movies. Right. Uh, right. Not trying he's to defend the Stephen Cole. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's pretty bad, but this is my my guilty pleasure of the best of the Steven Seagal movies, in my opinion. So there you go. All right. So <laughs> Paul, thinking about next week, what mm -hmm. did you want to do next week, man? I mean, I know you brought up Chuck Norris, and like uh, maybe we should look at a Chuck Norris movie, but that's a lot to ask after I just yeah, saw no, Stephen no. I think movie. move away from uh, action martial arts movies. I think we should do mm -hmm. Adam Sandler comedy, like uh, what's it called? Uh, Jack, and Jack and Jill. Jill Jack and oh, Jill. God. Grown Ups Two, maybe. You know. Oh God. <laughs> that would require me to have to watch Grown Ups One, dude. 
would it why why bother <laughs> i've never seen it either but i'm pretty sure the sequel is worse i th- i've heard that it it has a scene where the whole gag is a deer walks into a bedroom and starts pissing like gallons of piss on the two people laying on the bed and wow used to do so for an extraordinarily <laughs> long amount of time and that's the joke you know, I feel like that would be a good movie to kind of uh, break down and <laughs> Rob. <laughs> all right, so I have a problem with Rob Schneider. I fucking hate that guy. But like, yeah. if you were talking about like you know Deuce Bigelow, male Gigolo, or something like that, like I think that he is a worse piece of shit actor than Adam Sandler. Like I have never ever liked a fucking yeah, Rob Schneider movie. He's, he's got some pretty shitty ones out there. He's just an annoying piece of shit. He's like Polly Shore, dude. Fuck Polly yeah. Shore. Which one is worse? I think Rob, Rob Schneider, Schneider actually has more talent than Polly Shore. That's that's my, <laughs> my opinion. I think he's... I mean, well, Polly Shore has done like Biodome and... <laughs> And was what is it? Encino Man is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Encino Man. Yeah, and I don't know, man. I mean, uh, fucking in the <laughs> army now is enough for me to hate fucking Polly Shore for the rest of my goddamn life. Like, if I could slit that man's throat, like it would be not enough for me to hate on Polly Shore enough. Slit his throat and piss down his cut open hole in his neck. <laughs> While he's still alive. Yeah. No, I fucking hate that guy. But see, but, I, mean, I mean, yeah. Grown Ups has the whole like cast of kind of, you know, out <laughs> old, old SNL kind of failed actors, whatever you want to call them. What if we shift back? Uh, this is just an idea, but what if we shift back to bad horror movies and we do like the new Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage oh, or God. something? You know, I watched that actually over at a friend's house for a bad movie night and it is, it's pretty bad. It's really fucking uh, bad. Yeah. Now a bad horror movie, I could do one of those. <laughs> there, there are a lot of bad horror movies out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think more, Dude, than, more could... even than bad action movies, honestly. I think it's the. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's one in, it's category like... of shit movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's inherent to the medium, I think, yeah. you know, because you just want to like function the whole thing off of jump moments and like grotesque images but you don't realize that there's supposed to be a story there that gets people invested and wicker man is like a, a chief fucking offender at that yeah. you know like fucking nicholas cage hams that movie up to no end dude we could do oh man i've been i've been wanting to talk to you about like doing like a fucking evangelical film like uh the oh. omega code like the omega code or that, like the left behind movie that with nicholas would be fun <laughs> that would be fun or oh dude maybe uh an Ayn Rand boot book or like atlas shrugged is that what is that Ayn Rand oh, or is yeah. that no no that's oh, not Ayn Rand that's uh whatever the other crazy I don't remember the name uh, of the author know. that did atlas shrugged but like I know what you're talking about that's yeah. bad that's a fucking awful movie no but evangelical movie would be a lot of fun I think it would yeah. be too because to be clear Paul and I are both atheists so we I was I'm actually not an atheist I'm agnostic because I cannot, I can't really disprove that God exists, and for all I know, He does. And so, all right. So I, I am an atheist, <laughs> yeah. and I'm an atheist precisely because I read the Bible. That's why I'm a fucking atheist. Because <laughs> I read it, I was like, this shit doesn't make any sense. And I read it five times over the course of my lifetime. So anybody out there yeah. that wants to come at me with some bullshit from the Bible in order to prove some shit, I will tell you 10 other verses that disprove what the fuck your thesis is trying to say, <laughs> because the Bible is completely contradictory. But besides the fact, yeah. we could rail on uh, I mean, evangelical. I think I'm 
agnostic because I went to a, a Christian preschool and we'd have like our afternoon prayer thing and they would okay. hand out apples with peanut butter on them and be like, okay, <laughs> here's your Jesus, eat this Jesus thing. Or I, I don't remember. It was like- Like communion? I, I don't know if it was communion. It was, it was disrespectful not to eat it. But the problem was that I was allergic to peanuts peanut and I would get yeah. <laughs> very sick every time that I ate this thing. So they kept trying to force me to eat this because I didn't love Jesus or something like that. Oh my and, God. Uh, like you're a demon child. Yeah. 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 So yeah. <laughs> I don't think that I knew that about you, Paul. I thought you were always raised in an agnostic slash atheist home. Yeah. No, I was pretty agnostic parents and everything, but right. you know, the, the only preschool in my neighborhood was run at a church. So you're kind of, wow. Yeah. Just got to go for it. You know, that's fucking nuts, man. <laughs> I mean, my like best friend as a kid who is Jewish also had to go to that Christian preschool because there are no other choices. So, Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's one way to fuck your kid. Up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, uh, let's talk over the next couple of days, Paul, we'll figure it out. But yeah. I, I, I really, to be honest with you, I haven't seen the Nick Cage left behind movie, but I that hear it's goddamn horrifying. <laughs> I did see the Omega code, which is one of the worst movies that I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if you remember that like huge book craze when that book came out. I don't like, recall. I can't remember the name of the past is, uh, he's like a mega church pastor in Texas. Yeah. Paul Hagee, maybe he wrote it. I can't remember who wrote it, but it's this idea that like the Bible has these hidden numerical, yeah. like messages in it. And everybody freaked the fuck out about this. But I'm like, even as a kid, dude, I knew it was bullshit. Cause I was just like, Oh wow. It predicted things that happened in the past. <laughs> like you could literally yeah. sit in front of the goddamn dictionary and find a code in the dictionary proving shit that already happened. It's the shit that happens in the future that if you can predict that shit, then I'll listen to you. But besides the fact, they predicted that the earth was going to end in 1996. And I remember it very clearly because I went to- I can, I can predict the future. There's going to be conflict in the Middle East. Game. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it was like, dude, I remember very clearly because it was like it was Paul Hagee or Benny Hinn or somebody like that predicted that the the world was gonna end in 1996 according to the Omega Code. And I remember that I went to church at this midnight service because everybody was gonna like await the fucking rapture. I remember this very oh, clearly man. as a kid. <laughs> and we sat there and midnight rolled around and nothing happened. And then you know, like that's, a couple hours went by and nothing happened. And then like a couple months later the guy who said it issued a retraction and said like oh well like the gregorian to hebrew calendar was off blah 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 blah, blah. And, so the, <laughs> and then he tried Didn't to structure he... it around y2k yeah. then another guy it was not too long ago like a couple years ago that uh there was another prediction that the world was going to end in like 2017 something like that oh, sure and everyone was selling their shit because they're like i don't need this stuff anymore the world's gonna <laughs> end i might as well have some yeah. extra cash to bring with me yeah. to heaven play on the slot <laughs> machines or whatever i don't know but <laughs> <laughs> so all these no, people like sold their shit and their houses and quit their jobs right. and then it didn't right. happen and they're like yeah Mm, that was a bad idea. Got my job back. Gonna return no, this I, snake oil. I, I think uh, I think that that would be fun one in order to look at Left Behind because that was like a mega phenomenon in terms yeah. of the book. Like so many people bought that goddamn thing, and I think that'd be fun. Yeah, 
I could talk about the the power team, these fucking meatheads that would show up and like claim that through the power of Christ they could rip phone books in half and break bats and shit like that. It's pretty awesome. Oh, uh, dude, it was this homoerotic <laughs> spectacle that like I can't I can't stress it enough how homoerotic it was. But regardless, all right. So <laughs> anyway, everybody, that was Under Siege Two: Dark Territory with Steven Seagal. I fucking hate this movie like <laughs> god damn it dude uh you guys you guys need to see it it's a fun entertainment kind of type of movie and i mean halfway through it i kind of thought to myself like if i let my brain fall out and just view this as every other 90s action movie that i've seen i could see that it's entertaining i can see it yeah. i really can't but like i can't you know what i mean like i can't because i saw die hard with a vengeance and i don't <laughs> I'm not going to fucking eat this shit anymore. But anyway, once again, guys, thank you for joining us. This is the Movie Dicks Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I am Paul Schindel. Thanks for joining us, guys. Have a good night.